find a completely different person. I don't even know him anymore. What are you telling me? That we killed someone last night? Something bad. Oh. Brian, hey. You know something's happened to you. This stuff should be a star. What are you gonna do? Knock my block off. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Sleezoids, the podcast where we go down the rabbit hole of 20th century genre fare from the most influential canon classics to the trashiest exploitation films we can get our hands on and invite you to tag along in helping us create a canon of sleaze. Each week is a double feature grindhouse style where we discuss two films loosely related by subject, genre, actor, filmmaker, or franchise. At the end of each episode, along with our honorary Sleezoids, which you can become by subscribing on Patreon. Santa Claus is coming to town and to kill your entire (laughs) family. Join the sleeves. We just we decide on all the official ratings and rankings for every film that we cover. Nailed Patreon it. subscribers also get an on-air shout-out and two bonus episodes every single uh, month, which we have been doing for coming up on three years now, which is insane. So there's yeah. something like uh, 50, 60-plus bonus episodes waiting for anyone who hasn't made uh, the jump yet, probably coming up on 70, honestly. Yeah, just um, hours of content, people. Yeah, As well as our bonus transmission series where we talk about new release genre films and there have been some coming out. We even have some, Mm. uh, some, some themed ones coming out, uh, soon, probably the day after you guys are listening to this one. Yeah. Um, it's hard to keep track of the, uh, the, the dates and stuff based on our (laughs) recording schedule sometimes. Yeah, it is. Um, we try our best. But, uh, that's the one plug uh, for the week. Uh, Patreon.com, obviously. Oh, uh, the the patrons. We should get into those. Absolutely. Uh, where's Where's my list? I'm checking my list personally. <laughs> um, um, so we've got uh, Bruno P, Michael Allen, Trophy Wife ninety nine. Welcome, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Irene Campbell, um, Emmett Whelan, uh, Martha, uh, Loser Points. Miss K, uh, Jake Tierney, Mike Weissen, uh, I'm still going. Oh man, you guys, nice. you guys are being good to us lately. Uh, Zach, uh, we had Aaron, a friend of the show. Aaron has upgraded to the $10, oh, uh, nice. a month pledge. He's going to be joining us for our virtual online once a month screenings that we do of trash stuff. I think we just did a split second. And yeah. uh, by the time you guys are listening to this, we'll probably have already done it, but we're going to have done our, uh, our our Christmas one, which I haven't decided yet, but we're going to do something fun for sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then last but not least, we've got uh, Oliver O'Brien Till. Nice. Uh, and, oh, wait, no, are we still going? Yeah, and, and Kim Spencer. Awesome. Thanks, guys. So thanks so much to all you guys. We had to kind of rip through them a little fast there. We had a lot of you guys this week. Thanks so much. Hope you guys are enjoying those bonus episodes. Oh, but um, I had to give a shout out. I think I heard Irene Campbell in the names of there. That's actually Irene my Campbell's grandma. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I, I really want to sign up and, and support the show. I'm like, well, I, I hope you're ready for absolutely crude humor. It's going to be something to hear what we say on here. <laughs> We're going to do a Grandma core episode just for her. Thanks, <laughs> Absolutely, Irene. yeah. We'll do um, some like classic noirs or something, yeah. 
but that's the one plug. The other plug for the week, as always, is uh, Apple Podcasts. If you guys are listening on Apple Podcasts, uh, give us a good old rating and review down at the bottom. Uh, helps us uh, climb the ranks over at iTunes. It helps us find new listeners. And then the other plug, actually, we have one new one to introduce because I forgot to do it last week. We've got merch. Yeah. Um, I'm actually uh, wearing one right now. I'm, I'm stoked on it. Pretty, there we go. Cool. Yeah, we've we I, we've I got great. some Sleezoids merch. It's the uh, the the logo poster artwork that we had drawn up for us by Trevor Henderson, one of the great um, Toronto yeah. uh, horror artists. He's, He's awesome. really really great. Um, yeah, so we we have that for sale on shirts, on mugs, on basically anything. If you go to sleezoidspodcast.com or you scroll down to the description there, you will find all the links you need to go and look up uh, the merch for. Probably won't come to you now in time for the Christmas holidays, but we have seen some people already posting in the Discord that they got there. So yeah. uh, if you're interested in that, look into that. Absolutely. But yeah, okay, finally. Jeez, the intros are getting long. That's everything <laughs> for this week. Welcome. What's up? Uh, I'm your host, as always, Josh Lewis, and joining me is my co-host. Jamie Miller. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. I think uh, two weeks ago would have been the last time you guys would have heard from us, and we had special guest uh, Anna Swanson on to talk about... Um, sort of uh, cat-and-mouse crime thrillers. We talked about mm-hmm. Silent Partner from 1978 by Daryl Duke, uh, starring uh, Elliot Gould and Christopher Plummer, um, which was a very cool little uh, small Canadian uh, heist movie um, from the 70s. It got a lot of grit to it, got a little bit of Hitchcockian set uh sort of sequencing to it and it also has christopher yeah. Plummer going absolute psycho mode and like decapitating a woman using a fish tank <laughs> yeah it's just that was a gritty scene my god yeah, yeah great and, film. and elliot gold robbing his own bank so there's some good times to be had there and we paired it with martin scorsese's remake of J. Lee thompson's cape fear from 1962 but martin scorsese's remake from 1991 starring robert nero and nick nolte mm. uh we we went uh uh which is uh, as we mentioned it's Martin Scorsese being possessed by the spirit of Brian De Palma. Oh, Basically yeah. going full psychosexual slasher mode with what was originally kind of, you know, like a sweaty uh, Hitchcock riff. Yeah. So yep. uh, pretty amazing stuff. Uh, you, you love to see De Niro doing the accent and paying a dentist <laughs> to fuck his teeth up. Out philosophize you. Love it. <laughs> You got it. You got to love that. Uh, so that was uh, two weeks ago. If you haven't heard that episode, that was the any podcast listener of choice. That was the free episode. Uh, but last week we guys we did your guys's Patreon voted episode. Once again, we've introduced some democracy around these parts. Anyone who's a patron now votes on one of the episodes we do every two months. And uh, we did uh, that episode. You guys chose Cronenberg, which was a good choice. We did Dead Ringers from 1988. Um, kind of um, Cronenberg in a little bit more, I mean, not that he's not sad and artful even in his craziest movies, but definitely a little bit more low-key uh, from, yeah. from the body horror meister and uh, a very, very excellent dual performance by uh, Jeremy Irons playing the, uh, the twin yeah. brothers who uh, end up creating gynecology instruments for mutant women and uh, going down a, a, a junkie rabbit hole. It was it was a lot of uh, fun to talk about that, and we paired it with David Cronenberg going gamer mode oh, yeah. in 1999 with Existence. Um, all kinds of uh, things like Jennifer Jason Lee plugging consoles into people's uh, like back buttholes that oh, they create. Yeah. <laughs> they even have that like lube scene where it's like they lube it up and put the finger in. Like it's just that is a wild movie. 
not not the future of gaming for me personally but yeah David i think Cronenberg i'll stick with the controller you know the wireless yeah. controller i think <laughs> i'll stick with but beautiful so yeah if you want that episode that was uh, patreon.com slash these podcast that was last week's bonus episode but this week we have a special guest joining us to kind of stick in the horror realm because we, we, we finished up Spooktober, we finished up November, and we just went straight back into the horror films uh, with, with, with Cronenberg there a little bit, although Existence has a bit of that action conspiracy angle to it a little bit. Kind of a weird yeah. mode for him, honestly. Um, but uh, I'm going to let him introduce the films. This week we have Cameron from the Podcast About List podcast. Cameron, how you doing? Pretty good. Um, thanks for having me on guys. I, I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for coming. Um, yeah. So, uh, I brought, um, killer clowns from outer space, uh, directed by Stephen Kyoto, um, from 1988. And, uh, with it, I brought brain damage also from 1988, uh, directed by Frank Henenlotter. Beautiful. Hell yeah. Now why, now what, what was, what was the thinking on this pairing here? Well, I mean, they're both from 1988, <laughs> for starters. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, but they're both, like, kind of, like, comedy horror movies about creatures that, like, I guess suck stuff out of people. Um, <laughs> That's true. They, yeah, they eat people in different ways, but it both, both have to do with sucking, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, well, I mean, we were we were glad that you were going to bring on, because, I mean, Jamie, I hadn't seen Killer Clowns. This was actually my first time watching Killer Clowns. Jamie mm-hmm. had seen Killer Clowns, and he loved it. Yeah. But yeah, I, I had seen Brain Damage, and we had recently just done uh, Frank Henenlotter for the first time on the show in October with uh, Basket Case, and yeah. I couldn't stop talking about how awesome Brain Damage was on that episode, so I was very excited that someone brought Brain Damage on. Oh, yeah, we're we're gonna get real weird here. We're gonna talk creature <laughs> features, little little rubbery little monsters that 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 want to <laughs> suck goo out of people. And uh, there's no. I also like that there's kind of like no explanation behind either of these, like where these yeah. things like really come from, or you you there there's no attempt at yeah. lore. These movies know exactly kind of like what they're doing. Yeah, a hundred percent. But that being said, I think we are just gonna jump right into it here. We're gonna start off with Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Just cruising through the galaxy and stopped here for a bite to eat. You don't need a police pal, you need a psychiatrist. Uh-oh. They want to play games? They're messing with the wrong guy. What are you in for? Killer clowns from outer space. It's crazy. All right, we are talking Killer Clowns from Outer Space, the 1988 American science fiction horror comedy film written, directed, and produced by the Kyoto Brothers. <laughs> this um, was their vision. Obviously, obviously yeah. written by, uh, or uh, directed by by Stephen as the main credit, but written by Charles and Ed as well. And for those of you unfamiliar with the Kyoto Brothers, they are uh, special effects artists. They did the special effects for the Critters films, um, most right. most famously, but they they did a lot of uh, set work on all kinds of creature films, and I think uh, I I heard too that they did all the puppet work on Team America. Oh, they did, yeah. That's awesome. That's incredible. They also they made a they made Large March, um, the 
the claymation from Large Marge uh, and Pee Wee's Big Adventure was also them. Oh wow! I didn't oh, wow. know that. They, yeah, they yeah, did a bunch. Of, I I was like looking into it recently. They, they, there's a bunch of like little stuff that was like really funny. I had no idea that they had a hand in. Like they also did uh, the stop motion parts in, in Elf, like the parts in the North Pole. Oh, okay. it's like the narwhal and stuff. <laughs> oh, that's Amazing. killer! Wow, yeah, it's very very interesting. Guys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so this is this is a movie born from the minds of kind of a bunch of uh, jokester special effects artists, yeah. which kind of uh, when you watch the movie from that angle, the movie makes a lot more sense to you. I feel oh like. yeah, oh you yeah. can really 100%. tell it was made by a bunch of silly brothers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Just with for a that had a love for B movies basically. Yeah. Yeah, I mean like the 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 uh obviously the the main premise here for anyone who hasn't seen Killer Clowns I know that this is a bit of like a a a cult film now. I'm sure a lot of people have heard of it. Yeah. And you get honestly you get most of it from the title. It, they are killer <laughs> clowns from outer space. <laughs> yeah. Um but very very broadly we have something kind of like a little bit of a riff on something like The Blob where uh especially the uh the the Chuck Russell rendition of The Blob which we've talked about on the show. But essentially mm. you know these these things fall from space uh but instead of being a blob that just organically sucks things up and turns their body in and just shreds them uh we have a bunch of little dudes who are clowns we never find out like are they an ancient species of clowns is this is where is this where we got the image of clowns from yeah or did they get like transmissions from us and become obsessed with clowns and then base their entire civilization and aesthetic there, and structure on it there are we don't really know there are moments that kind of like somewhat hint towards the fact that they're they're used to humans and how they interact with them because like there's that scene where the the clown walks up uh in front of the store and then acts as if it's like an animatronic statue and and it lures people into the store so so like i'm sure they didn't think this through at all but it does kind of hint that they've been doing this for a long time and farming human beings for for a, for a long period of time. Yeah, that was where I got a little bit of like a bad taste quality. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Peter, obviously I was thinking Peter that Jackson. too, yeah. Yeah, because sure. it ends up being in Peter Jackson's bad taste that it's like there's like this intergalactic group of aliens who come down to Earth to essentially uh, taste test humans for, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's 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 implied that it's for a fast food, intergalactic yeah. fast food chain. Yeah, and this one is for <laughs> like an intergalactic uh, traveling carnival, basically. Yes. Um, but I got to say right off the bat, right off the bat, the Killer Clowns theme song, a certified bomb. Oh my oh. God. Yeah. That's literally the first thing in my notes too, <laughs> like, including the words right off the bat. Yeah. And it's, it's great that like, uh, I love the way that it sets it in because the first half of the credits are just kind of that kind of ominous like synth score that you'd hear from a, from an 80s slasher movie or something. And then it just crescendos into that insane electric guitar riff. That uh, so that sick. I just love. Yeah, it's so good. Oh yeah, man, I listen to that song all the time. The Dickies, <laughs> a great band. Yeah, it's. I'm gonna have to check out some of their other tunes because I mean that theme song is just fire. Yeah, the yeah. the obviously Jamie will definitely be including it in the trailer segment, so anyone who hasn't heard it will get oh, a chance yeah. to hear it. But dude, that that part where he just goes off and he goes killer clow ow 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 (laughs) (laughs) unbelievable what i've heard about that song which i'm not sure if it's true or not but i've heard that 
that like when when they asked the Dickies to write that song for the movie, the Dickies had no idea what the movie was about besides the title. Like they hadn't seen it or anything, which is why they say stuff like like bringing bringing genocide to the human race, which just doesn't doesn't really make any sense in the context of the movie. <laughs> That's so good. Oh my Amazing. god! Amazing. Well, yeah, it's it's perfect for getting you like like into the mood of the movie you're about to watch because it's like oh, yeah. it, it does start out with like that sort of like eighty synth thing and then it gets into something a little bit cornier like this, yeah, um, but in a really really fun way, yeah. And yeah. then immediately we're uh, introduced to you know a bunch of teens at 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 makeout point <laughs> doing their thing. Uh, a guy who looks exactly like Ben Shapiro pulls up with an ice cream truck, uh, and 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 he goes, uh, "What does the ice cream truck say? We give you the stick, you give it the lick, and it'll tickle you all the way down." <laughs> That's how you sell ice cream, baby. And and it's got a little clown head on it. It's really creepy, actually. Yeah, um, it definitely it, is. There's just an ice cream truck making innuendos at yeah. you, and also I don't know why they thought that they were going to get a lot of sales at like makeout point. I mean, I think it's implied that they think ice cream trucks are cool and that they're going to get them chicks. That's like <laughs> their main plan. The two yeah. brothers that like, they even uh, have hang the, out inside the truck. They even have the like two girls that they told could have all the ice cream that they wanted if they went on a date with them or something like that. Like <laughs> they're, they're definitely like, I do enjoy the corny kind of like sex comedy that they're, that they're throwing in, in the first like 30 minutes or so. Um, and I yeah. love the way that the lead guy, uh, he, he it, just his entire performance is very, very, just very cheesy. Like it, it's, uh, it's that like very energetic and happy leading man, but he's cracking all these like just, just very cheesy jokes and, and, um, yeah, his, his name is Mike Tobacco. I know. I noticed that too in the credits. Did I wasn't sure if they ever said that in the movie. It's just a, such a weird name. Yeah, it's such a weird name. Yeah, I don't think they ever do. They just call him Mike, but randomly to throw tobacco in there. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, and he's trying to get laid on the tap on the on top of some sort of raft that's in the back seat of his car. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's so many like little straight <laughs> no like it's it, it, there's so many like strange details to this that I think is what like ultimately really makes the movie work for me is that there's yeah. so much humor in not just like obviously the the sort of like parody level premise in in some ways but also in a lot of just the general visual design and the inscrutability of of certain choices that are made cuz like again who they had to specifically choose to put a raft in the back of his car that he's having sex on top of <laughs> yeah yeah and and you and you're and you're sitting there going I've just never seen that before but okay <laughs> yeah I'll take it must have been just a product of the 80s you know that's what people did they they went out yeah. to make out point inflated the raft and went to town. <laughs> but the girl's not that interested actually because they see this uh, object fall from the sky, this glowing object, very blob style. They they even throw in a reference to the blob by having the the old country bumpkin dude with uh, <laughs> right. uh, with, with, with the dog be the first one to discover and he happens to be reading a book about 
Halley's Comet or something like that. And yeah. he's like, that's in my book. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be like on the page he's on too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So great. And I love how like right away he, he already comes up with like a, a monetary use for the comet. Like he just sees this random meteor crash. He's like, that's it. I'm that's it. All my financial problems are over. This is this is the money bag right here. Well yeah, and, and he happens upon the circus tent, obviously, that lands in that spot. And he's saying stuff like, Maybe we can get some free tickets. I'm like yeah. this guy's just super stoked to be let into the circus that just landed in his backyard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god. And that's uh, either way. There's 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 a lot of really incredible detail to this, but essentially the clowns are inside this circus tent that fell to earth, and the people start discovering obviously that it's there. And the clowns. Uh, what's interesting is the clowns, like as uh, Cameron kind of pointed out, like they're not here overtly as it, it seems to intentionally like start hunting down humans, the humans actually come across them and then they start kind of making their way uh, into town, like kind of like Romero style, but yeah, like they, they, right. they, they trap his dog in a net. Um, and I can't remember. The, the, I think the, the two kids end up finding the tent and going through it. And it's just like this weird, like, psychedelic version of like the death star from the original star Wars yeah, the design like, is so awesome. I mean, it looks, it looks like one of those, like the covers of like a nineties physics textbook, but like with more <laughs> yeah. colors, you know, Dude, that's, yeah. that's spot There's on just, like, stripes and triangles everywhere. It's so great. Yeah. It's just, they like, have, like, it's, the, it's like, just like, yeah, they have like the, the popcorn maker, like controls on the, like <laughs> it's just so many, just so many good details. The, the, like when they get into the, the like cotton candy cocoons room, I love the detail that each one of the cocoons has like a coat hanger hook on the top. Yeah. Yeah. It's unreal. It's, it's basically, it's like uh, like, yeah, like you said, Josh, it's like a fun house death star basically. And uh, like, even I love the way that, you know, they press buttons randomly on this elevator and it just takes them to a different part of the ship. And then they have this really awesome uh, like matte painting the, of the the core room or whatever and it's oh, just yes. huge. That, that's, a, that's what i was thinking yeah that yeah. reminds me of the part where like you know uh, ben kenobi is like oh, twisting yeah. the little things in the in in star wars and they do it the same way they, they use the same effect which is you have like the one portion of the frame which is the set and then the rest of it is a giant matte painting that you yeah. use the perspective of the camera to make it look like it's an extension of the room so they use the exact same effect that they use in the death star to make it seem huge but for this for like a giant like like ghastly primary color lit like room of just giant tubes and gears and stripes and buttons mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really cool too because it has this like on the outside it just has that carnival effect and then when you go in it and uh they go through all the the floors with the the elevator it just gives a really good sense of how big the spaceship actually is and it, it, it's cool that it has this illusion of the carnival and then when you go in it's it, it honestly looks like it's like a thousands of stories and just just absolutely massive spaceship so yeah, yeah there's, there's also really rooms cool that just make no sense like near the end there's a room that they run in and it's oh, just right. a series there's just a series of um like moving back and forth from left to right on the frame mm-hmm. of just uh like like doorways without oh, doors yeah. yeah and they're all different colors and it's an entire line of them that run th- they have to run through it but they go at like different intervals like different paces so like yeah. it, it 
it, it doesn't like I was just like what is the purpose of this room? Like, what's the <laughs> yeah. room itself like yeah why do the clowns have it like yeah. they have and rooms the, with like big like like monster cutouts too that they walk past like <laughs> right, it just, yeah. just looks like like high school set like theater set pieces you know like it's very it's very weird. It really seems like they just like found a bunch of stuff and we're like, yeah, this could be clown stuff. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> like there's even, they have uh, traps too. Like there's two of them, one where they're sliding down the pole and then there's this like giant eel that's going to eat them if they oh, go that down was one so, more. I love that. Yeah. It was so cool. Great. Cause it's like, that's like, like that's in the, in the movie for like one second tops, but yeah. they still made like a big, like Sarlacc thing. <laughs> yeah. Like for just for that. And then they have the the trap where the the two ice cream guys they get uh, put into the ball pit or whatever. So there's like some stuff that reminded me of like there was this old amusement park kind of place called the Wild Zone back in the day, and it, it gives me just those <laughs> vibes when I'm watching this. Oddly enough, as I'm still watching these killer alien clowns kill all these people, <laughs> it gives me like yeah, I I. I- I also love the idea of uh, Cameron bringing up that they're just like, they're just like, yeah, that's clown shit. Um, throw it in, get it in there <laughs> yeah. because that's all. That's also the excuse that they literally use in the text of the movie. Yeah, because yeah. Th- obviously the set piece. There's a little bit of a set piece as Mike and um, I think it's Debbie, his his yeah. girlfriend that they were making out. They escape from the uh the the clown spaceship and they have so many weird reactions to things <laughs> like when they when they find the cotton candy corpses and he's like yeah this is just a cotton candy factory she's like <laughs> nobody stores cotton candy like this like what are you talking this is not like you don't have a reference point for what you're seeing here yeah yeah. And 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 they do again like they they have the little hangers as Cameron mentioned, but they're also storing, like because uh, it's it's revealed that it's obviously there's corpses and bodies inside the cotton candy, and so they're storing them on like what basically looks like Texas chainsaw like meat hooks, uh, inside like their little funhouse that they have. But then one of the clowns catches them, and he fires a popcorn bazooka at them <laughs> as they're like running their way out, and she screams popcorn why popcorn <laughs> yeah. and he just goes cause they're clowns <laughs> it's such an awesome line That's I love so too good. that like at that point like obviously the popcorn something happens with the popcorn later but at that point in the movie it's just like oh that just doesn't do anything like, yeah. they just threw just popcorn at them. them basically and yeah. I, I like that it takes like a good 30 to 45 minutes before those things start to actually evolve into the weapon that they that they originally had them planned for because it, 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 you kind of forget about them until it goes back to Debbie and she's just dealing with all these popcorn monsters in her bathroom. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's great. Yeah. You definitely forget about it for a while, but they, they do set up a lot of the stuff that they do. And we should mention, this is another one of those movies we've, uh, we've talked about on, on this show where it's, it's one of those movies that it's based around like a singular joke and it it just hits that joke over and over again. And sometimes that, that doesn't work. Like something we're going to talk about next week, for example, doesn't, doesn't, do does it as a well thing yeah and doesn't do it as well but every once in a while there's one where they just explore every single aspect you possibly could of a premise and i think this is one of <laughs> right. those movies that absolutely does that yeah um like and, and even we haven't mentioned it but like the creature design itself like the rubber suits that oh they built of these clowns yeah so, so horrifying because they With I, the, the ears that wiggle and those like those awful like jagged teeth like yeah. they're just such good, such good costumes. And the mouth, all the mouths are just huge. Like they look like they're, you know, like a good, like 
like foot or two in width. Uh, and I love the, the, the different heights of all the clowns. Like you have the one little one that kind of plays like the cutesy clown, the, uh, and then you Shorty, have, yes. right, right. And then you <laughs> yeah. have the one, I can't that's believe like, I, I know the names now. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have the one that's like eight feet tall and intimidating that way. And there's just, there's a lot of variety in the, uh, in the clowns themselves. And I love that shot of them all kind of being introduced when they're, it's kind of like the zombie walk when they're all walking into yeah, that's the That's what town. I was talking about when they yeah. go through Romero mode a little bit. Yeah. And it, it kind of just in a line, you see all the different designs and it's a, it's a fantastic little shot. I love it. That, yeah, that I also like that, how they move at such a leisurely pace there too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're real chill. <laughs> that song that plays during that scene is so great too. That like dun 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 dun. Oh dun, yeah. Dun, dun. It yes. sounds almost like like it's like a MIDI guitar. Like it doesn't even sound like a real guitar. Yeah. It's just it's so I love that I love that little song. I wish it was longer so I could listen to it like <laughs> on my own. It's like only only like Put thirty it on seconds like long. An hour loop. Yeah. 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 Actually, speaking of Romero, it reminded me actually of like more of like a late Romero score, like more like like yeah. not like uh, not like Night or 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 Dawn, but Day of the Dead a little bit for sure. <laughs> when for when sure. he hit the mid eighties, it's got a little bit of that going on. Yeah. Um, but uh, meanwhile, so they're the clowns have made their way into town now, and they just start you know, kind of, kind of met mess and shit up, but no one also believes the kids because the kids are saying that there's killer clowns from outer space. Obviously no one's going to believe them, <laughs> but there's one particular like cop who's just so shitty. Oh, he's <laughs> the best. He's, he's so, so awesome. <laughs> the joke of him just like, I don't believe anybody in this town and ignoring yeah. all emergency calls. Every time it, it cuts back to him, that joke worked for me just more and more. Like it's just so as great. they kept repeating it, it, yeah, yeah it's it, it, it gets to a point where he, he's, literally just not picking up the 911 calls <laughs> yeah. he's like all these motherfuckers are pranking my ass and uh he's like i, I won't be outsmarted i love that they introduce him by being like he's like threatening to strangle some college kids for like coming into town <laughs> off campus like he's just yeah. like so evil it's so there's a scene yeah. where he like there's one scene where he's just sitting in the in the police station reading like a gun magazine and just laughing. <laughs> just like so just so like cartoonishly awful. It's so great. It's amazing. I also He, he also gets the, uh, the 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 title line. He's the guy who gets to go killer clowns from outer space. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. It's fit. I love uh, his death too. Like it's actually pretty gross. Like it, it, it happens. Uh, he gets the worst. Yeah. 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 He puts like he gets the the ventriloquist dummy death where the the fucking clown is putting his hand into his spine and they even add the detail like after he's done using him as a dummy, they he he actually like with force takes out the hand from his back and you hear kind of like a squishing sound and then his hand is covered in blood. And yeah. uh, there, there's a couple elements where the where the gore was was pretty awesome. Like another one was where a uh, little uh, what what's the little guy's name again? Josh Shorty Shorty Shorty. Uh, he literally punches a dude's head clear off with oh, boxing. Yeah. What gloves. are you gonna do? Knock my block off? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like there, there's some decent uh, gore kills in this too. Something about the the like ventriloquist dummy kill that I didn't notice. I've watched this. This is probably like the fifth time I've watched this movie, and uh -huh. I, something I noticed only this time was early in the movie, like when uh, when the like nice cop is going to investigate the clowns. Um, right. The the bad cop as he's leaving goes like, "Well, you're not gonna make a dummy out of me." 
<laughs> yes. And I was yes. just like, oh shit. <laughs> I just never picked up on it before. That's such great. a good, yeah. So many good, like, one line gags that aren't, like, really that funny on their own, but are just, like, all add up to just be yeah. so great. One thing I really ended up liking about this was that there are a lot of like comedy horror films out there that play to you as kind of like there's there's kind of like a a sense of just like random gag after gag after gag they really do feel like they build these gags like you can tell that these are comedy people and even just including a line like you weren't going to make a dummy out of me and then going back and literally having a horrifying sequence where that man just turned into a ventriloquist dummy like it sounds like simple but it's that kind of stuff that just leads me to believe that there is a lot more thought being put into by the Kyoto Brothers than like in other horror comedies that I've 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 seen for sure. Yeah, like even even something like I obviously love early Peter Jackson, but one thing that did hurt bad taste a little bit for me is that you can tell that that's a movie done like literally just without a screenplay. They were, <laughs> right. they, were they, they they shot it on weekends as friends over the course of like years, just being like, all right, what are we gonna do this weekend? This would be funny. And like obviously, there's some charm that comes from that, and something I really appreciate, and I think also exists in this. This is clearly three brothers wanting to fuck around with a budget, um, who are also very good at creature designs and and makeup and stuff. But yeah, there is, to me, there was something actually strangely kind of cohesive and brisk about this like i i I, this was my first time watching it and uh, i'd heard a lot about it it was one of those ones where i had seen like the vhs cover back back in the in the video stores back in the day been like that fucking freaks me out i'm not gonna touch that one Um, (laughs) yeah yeah but yeah, getting around to finally watching it, I was actually weirdly kind of, despite the fact that, again, there's there's cheesy parody <laughs> elements to it, I was actually kind of impressed uh, with some of the craft. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> and the construction. I uh, I even liked the, 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 the acting I liked as well, because a lot of the time with these more, uh, I don't know if, like, was this, a, would, is this considered a low budget film? Uh, I don't know what the budget was. Uh, let me look it up real quick. A one one point eight million. So what's yeah, that'd that be like? low budget. Okay, okay. Uh, with that, like a lot of the time when they're doing these, I mean, it, of, it's no basket case budget, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> when they're doing caricatures, more so, like with with the characters, I I I, it can get to a point where I'm just kind of like eye rolling. Similar, like with Jack Frost, a little bit, like we discussed uh, in our our next episode. Um, but but with this, I really appreciated everybody's like the amount of cheese that they were implementing in their performances. Like I really like Dave's uh, kind of (laughs) like wannabe hero cop thing that he's doing. Like there's this one part where, uh, where he's talking to to Mike and they're um, uh, just discovering the, the, or looking for the, for the carnival thing, the spaceship and it's not there. Uh, And he has this, uh, this one line where it closes up on his face and, uh, he says something like, Mike says, it's just the facts, and it closes up on Dave's face, and he does this like quick turn, very kind of, I don't know, soap opera-like, and, he, and he's just like, I'll tell you what the facts are, mister. And, and, and when he, every time, I've watched it like three times, because there's something about his delivery, there's so much like power and, and, uh, and, and kind of like uh, this, this, this leading man quality kind of thing. And, it, and it's just uh, very assertive. And I, and I love that delivery. Um, and there's a bunch of yeah. that in this film. There's, there's a lot well, of so many, so many fun line reads in this. Yeah. Like, oh, I yeah. think the best one is to me, is definitely the, the what are you going to do with those pies boys? Cause he almost <laughs> sounds like he knows what's he like. He sounds really upset when he says, <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> and that's a great he has some too. idea what they're gonna do with those pies yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> and that's a great gore gang too i mean to just like melt somebody's entire body with pie it, it, that's that's yeah, fucking acid awesome pies yeah it's acid great. like banana cream pies <laughs> <laughs> it's such a good gag um one of the scenes that that i love in this movie i think it's not real i wouldn't call it really a scary movie at all you know it no. definitely has like horror trappings but i think one one scene that i think is genuinely really creepy is the scene at the uh the like fast food place where like there's that family with the little girl who and they're all eating inside this fast food place and they're like the big fat clown is just standing outside the door and just like beckoning this little girl yeah she kind of stands up and starts walking towards him and you see he's holding like a big like cartoon hammer like a mallet behind (laughs) his back was just like simultaneously like so goofy but also just like so creepy yeah and i Uh, yeah well because the way that it's it's played as a traditional suspense scene right where like the mom comes over and is like where are you going and and we know that she was about to just get malleted to die (laughs) clown (laughs) yeah and i love the way that they that where the camera position is because to uh, the way that they filmed the clown, it's inside the restaurant. Like so, it's kind of what the the girl is seeing. And there's just something really, uh, kind of an extra layer of fear for me when I when you're watching just him kind of within the frame of the window and just in the kind of the opening garden of the restaurant oh, yeah. beckoning to the girl. There's there, I don't know. There's an element to that that I thought was uh, was it was yeah, yeah pretty terrifying. It's yeah, there's really a, there's well a, done. There's a luring like uh, child endangerment suspense sequence there, yeah. which is interesting because they don't they don't like repeat uh, that or like do any more of that. It's like just an they do a lot of like interesting just asides. Like another yes. aside that they yep. do that they never come back to is like the rapey little Punch and Judy show that the one oh, yeah. puts on for the stone dude. And the stone dude is like having a blast He's just like, looking this at is this great. Punch and Judy show. <laughs> and then one of the like like clowns in the that he's doing as hand puppets basically starts like raping the other clown. And then he reveals that the whole show is being done by a big clown. Yeah. And then the guy starts getting scared and then he lasers him into a cotton candy cocoon. Right. (laughs) Which is, and I think, I can't remember if that's where they established the, the laser cocoon gun or if it's when they do the farmer but uh, but that's a great gadget. I love that gadget. Yeah, yeah. And then it, I love uh, how it how it evolves because eventually we get to the point where the clowns have kind of taken over the town a little bit more, and they're having their own like parade where they have this giant vacuum and they're just sucking up all of the <laughs> cocoon cotton candy things. It's 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 just a wild image. Yeah, because yeah, it's so much so fun. Awesome, yeah, yeah, yeah that, that, that scene the, is the, awesome. The, the clowns like tossing the cocoons out of the windows and stuff. Yeah, or I like, love down uh, to the people on the street when Debbie's trying to escape from the the popcorn monsters, uh, and she gets trapped from the front door because the clowns are blocking her, and she goes to try to jump out the window, and it's a bunch of yes. clowns that are dressed as firemen, and they have like a trampoline, <laughs> and they're like, "We'll catch you." Like, there's <laughs> just an awesome game. Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> and it's like that scene after scene. There's never really a scene that doesn't have some really funny gag built into it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that, the, the, the that's also monsters. so absurd that it actually is kind of horrible. Like this idea of you're scared for your life. You're trying to run out the window and you look down and there's a bunch <laughs> of just clowns being like, obviously they're being kind of absurd Ironic. and adorable because yeah. they're trying to help you ironically in a way, like right. the image of helping you, yeah. but they're just a bunch of evil looking, horrible <laughs> rubber clowns. Yeah. It's like when, the, it's like when they also delivered the pizza 
It's three right. dudes delivering a pizza, and then they open up the pizza box, and Shorty is in the pizza box. I don't even know how he fit in. It <laughs> yeah. doesn't even make sense. That's <laughs> so good. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, but, but, but what was the scene that you were talking about? Yeah, the popcorn monsters. The, yeah. I love those. Like, just the concept of, like, clown larva. Like, just the idea that, <laughs> yes. that, that popcorn is, like, clown eggs. And yeah. they, like, <laughs> hatch. It's just so... Like, it's... Yeah, you can... T- like, you were saying before, like, you can just tell, like, this is just a bunch of brothers in a room where, like, okay, what are clown things? And then just, like, <laughs> came up with... Because I don't even know if I would think of that if I was just trying to think of like clown stuff. I don't know that I would think popcorn that yeah. hatches into like a clown worm. <laughs> like I don't even know where that came from. But it's it's so awesome. It's such a good such a good idea. It's so creative. And they even do like they they do all the classics too. Like they have the whole. Uh, I think it's before the guy gets uh, reamed by all the pies. They have the clown car gag as well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Pile you gotta have out, one of those. Kill a guy. <laughs> And it's funny too because other... it ends up being kind of a, a a plot device in a sense that it's like it's what saves Dave from the finale explosion, which we'll get to. Uh, oh yeah, so, that yeah, they can all fit into the clown car. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, I, I like yeah. that kind of aspect of it too. It's used later as a tool. I also love the uh, the balloon dog that like tracks. Oh for them. yes, I forgot to mention so the balloon great. dog. That's amazing. So, yeah. And they yeah, play it so like many, yeah. they don't animate the the balloon or anything like that. Like they leave it just as a normal balloon, but then they just have sound effects of like a dog and the clown like sniffing and barking <laughs> yeah, and stuff. And then yeah. the clown acts as if it's actually giving tension to the leash and stuff. It's just so comical and so ridiculous. I love it. Yeah, that that scene's good. And then also the I mean, because there's just so many. Half of this review is literally just gonna be going through all these. These different amazing gags, gags yeah. yeah. But the, dude, the the shadow puppet gags. Oh, oh my yeah. god! Yeah. When, he, when 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 he's he, it's very clearly established that these clowns have like three stubby ass fucking fingers, <laughs> and 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 the dude is doing shadow puppets. Like he starts off simple. He starts off with the bunny, but then he's doing like an elephant with the tusk and the trunks. Then he's doing like a a a boat of like colonizers <laughs> as a shadow puppet and then he eventually ends up with a t-rex and the t-rex shadow puppet literally eats a crowd of people on the side of the street <laughs> yeah and this that is- shadow the this the right before he does the shadow puppets too it's the gag where like the the clown appears because like a bus drives by without stopping and the clown just appears behind the bus like with that visual oh right visual gag. like it's just like so it's so full of just stupid stuff like that. It's just so awesome. Yeah. I'm pretty sure at one point too, there's a clown that carries around a briefcase just filled with popcorn. Yep. Yeah. He just, that, <laughs> um, it's like, uh, I think that's his way eventually of unleashing like the hell onto the entire town. Just his, gotcha. his big old maniacal bag of popcorn. Oh, also the shadow shadow puppet scene. I remembered has one of my favorite line readings. speaking of just great actor line readings in this, but there's one where the clown just literally takes off into the air Oh yeah, and uh, Mike yeah. comes over to him and goes, "He's gone. <laughs> he went straight up. <laughs> <laughs> he plays him just so flies sincere. into the air and doesn't come back down." <laughs> oh man, Mike's delivery on everything is just so cheesy but so sincere, and I I, I love uh, that that performance. Yeah, I mean, th- honestly, there's. I mean, we've already mentioned so many of them, but like Jamie already mentioned, like Shorty pulling up to the bikers on his clown bike. Yeah. Uh, 
And oh, oh my, I, I love the, the tension in the scene as he just pulls up to them and the bikers are just making fun of him. And he's making sounds that just make him sound like a Jawa or something. He sounds yeah. like a minion. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. just going like, Peter. He, they do like so many weird noises. It's so strange. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> And it's so adorable because he's pulling up to the biker bar and he, he he's not again, they're not being really like antagonists uh, until they're attacked first. So like the bikers are making fun of him. Yeah. And then they and he actually comes over and says, hey, can I ride your bike? And then he breaks his bike right in front of him and he's he's kind of like crying about it. <laughs> yeah. And then he pulls out the Poor boxing shorty. gloves and there's just there's just an adorable little clown being, you know, with his boxing gloves. Uh, and then he punches yeah. his head right off like Jason takes Manhattan. Yeah. Yeah. You, there's a small detail in that, too, that that uh, that I really enjoy, which is when he jumps out of frame. Like he's off camera to get the the boxing gloves. All of the people react as if they can't see him at all anymore. So it's like he just <laughs> teleported or dissipated in the air, got his gloves, and then teleported back to knock the guy's block off. Uh, and I just yeah. love that little small detail. And his 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 head flies. He knocks that block off. <laughs> he, for does, sure. he does. He does. <laughs> Yo, I think one of the I think one of my favorite scenes in the movie. The one that that I'll like show people if I want to convince people that like, no, this is a good movie. Believe me. Yeah. Is um. <laughs> The, the scene where they, they're in the spaceship again and they see the the big fat clown drink one of the cocoons with a silly straw. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just yes. like the reveal of so like what good. the cocoons are really for is just, it's just so perfect. Yeah, just and like, it's, it's kind of, it's got a, a decent like horror element to it because when you think of just like someone sticking a straw into the body and then sucking out the nutrients, it's just, that's fucking gross. So it, yeah, it's, it's, that's really good. Yeah, I mean- yeah, like that, the the crazy straw sucking thing, that's an, another one of the few moments that is like just genuinely kind of horrifying a little bit. Yeah. Um, alongside a, like uh, the, the dummy one, I think, is also pretty creepy. And then the, the child luring one. I also realized too, um, I didn't realize in this until looking back at my notes right now, but I wrote this detail down, which actually ties into the child luring thing too. Hmm. So when he goes back to, uh, there's a lot of time spent obviously on, on this cop who is just denying six million calls that clowns are <laughs> in raiding the pharmacy and killing people and chasing them around town. He's just ignoring every single one of those calls. Even the cops calls. And, <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and he's, he's yelling like stupid kids and their pranks and blah, blah, blah. There's a detail that in the background of his head, there is a 30 missing kids poster <laughs> of all the kids that have gone missing. around town. I didn't even notice that. That's very funny. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. <laughs> Such a negligent cop. It's unbelievable. I, that was my favorite gag throughout the whole movie. Every Anytime they went back to him, I was laughing my ass off. Well, yeah, dude, he doesn't even read the clown his Miranda rights when he takes him in. Yeah, you got it. He's, he's like, you ain't got no rights, you red-nosed freak. <laughs> I love he doesn't even, like, try to take off the costume or anything either. Like, even when he, like, he goes to, like, handcuff the clown, which he presumably thinks is, like, a person in the costume. Yeah. You know, when the clown's hands come off. Which yeah. you know he would probably assume is like oh that's the the gloves of the costume he just locks the guy in the jail like he doesn't even unmask him or anything <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's just such a yeah he's just like yeah no you're in jail that's it <laughs> I don't even want to deal with you anymore yeah, yeah. but amazing. then he, he the the clown like turns the two guys who are in the cell with him into into cotton candy then obviously we talked about how he the eventually comes out when when Mike and 
the others arrive at the police station and he's uh, using the cops like a marionette puppet. And he, I love too that they add the detail of he does like the, the spin around in a chair, like a villain in the dark. Like he yeah. waits for them to show up and then <laughs> turns the light on. And he has this great line where he has the cop mime. Uh, Don't worry, Dave. All we want to do is kill you. <laughs> <laughs> Which is where Dave, I think, finds out that if you shoot their noses off, they explode into confetti and party yeah, decorations. The source <laughs> of their power is the clown nose. Brilliant. Yeah. I mean, of course it is. Yeah, it's the big red spot. Like that's yep. <laughs> it's the heart. <laughs> it's, yeah. Yeah, oh, and I I was gonna say I also have written here all of the so all the popcorn uh like larva larva uh clown dudes. Uh I, I totally forgot about the gag too. Cause like there's, I was, she, she goes into the shower and the, and the popcorn is like, you know, moving around on its own on, on the floor. But I forgot too, that they have them like come out of the cabinets and then another one comes out of the trash can. And then the last one comes out of the toilet. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All, and you're, and you're basically just looking at like what looks like a spider leg with a clown head attached to it. It's actually, <laughs> it, it's creepy as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but this all leads to a big finale where they have to make their way back to the spaceship, obviously. Um, and they, they, they make their way to the amusement park, uh, and they tell, they, they get the ice cream guys to tag along because, uh, is it, is it Mike or Dave tells them that Debbie has, uh, sister, sisters with, uh, with big boobs who like ice cream? (laughs) Yeah, roommates, yeah, yeah. On the way to the amusement park is actually another one of my favorite line reads where, like, uh, they're, like, trying to figure out where where to go to like find the clowns and they're like uh where if you were like if you were a clown where would you hide and then they just go the amusement park and the and the Terenzi <laughs> brothers just start like cheering and laughing <laughs> yeah. like they're gonna be like going on rides or something when they get there another <laughs> another like, as- let's go <laughs> another aspect i really like about uh the uh the, the ice cream clown brothers is they eventually use the the, the ice cream clown mascot as a way of like controlling or hypnotizing yes, the clowns briefly. So good. It's like their cult leader or something. They're like, I am your clown God. It's just it, that, that was hilarious. Yeah. And it and, makes them uh, also, not totally useless in the film, which is great. <laughs> no. Well, and I, I mean the, the, these brothers, it's been established in scene one where they were pulling up to make a point with an ice cream truck. For some reason, they thought that that was going to get them girls. But their whole interest <laughs> in all of this is to get girls, obviously. Oh, yeah. And, and you Even know the what, saving brother, the they, world part. They, they do. They do. That's they right. They end up in that ball pit with the lady clowns. The they clowns fall into a booby with, trap. I love how yeah, they're like, with, are you Debbie's roommates? <laughs> 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 it's like, yes, that's exactly what they probably look like, for sure. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it almost needed them talking about like big mumba jumbas or something, you know. Yeah. Like they, they 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 really go. I re- and when they come back in with the ice cream truck, they're covered in like kisses, like, clown lipstick kisses and stuff. Yeah, I really <laughs> wanted like the, I did really want one just just five second scene where they are like legitimately in the ball pit jacuzzi with the clowns and like, I don't know, <laughs> drinking champagne or something like that. Like I just, I just wanted one date moment where they're actually on the date with the two clowns. But yeah, it's, it's a great gag. And it's also the, the, the conversation that they have when they're like walking through, we kind of talked about this at the beginning a little bit, but I love when they're trying to, they're trying to like talk about like where they think the clowns came from. Yes. And just like the, the the possible explanations they come up with are so funny. Like the idea that like, oh, they're just aliens that just happen to look like clowns. Like <laughs> it's just a coincidence that every 
there's the spaceship looks like a circus and there's popcorn. Like there's just the idea that it's all a coincidence. It's just so great. Yeah. 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 They, they, they just think of them as some sort of like animal from another world. Yeah. Or yeah. That's the line. They say animals from another world. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's also, they call it, they say like, like, uh, oh, maybe they're ancient astronauts and our idea of clowns just comes from them, which is yeah. also so funny. Like the idea that like humanity met, Met, met these aliens and instead of like being like like oh these are mesopotamian gods or something like no they're they're these are clowns we're gonna make <laughs> we we're them, gonna turn the symbol yeah. for happiness and entertainment yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna make them the symbol for getting hit in the face with a pie that's how we're gonna revere these aliens yeah yeah and and, and one of the goes the guys responds to that going well why aren't they funny then yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well i would argue that they're hilarious they're they're pretty funny, but if they, I, I mean, I guess if they were trying to suck my blood out of a cotton candy, yeah, I'd be less I'd be amused, a less for sure. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be le- less amused by that. Um, but yeah, the, the, this when they because ex- get to explore more of the the, the ship funhouse in this one where there's like dinosaurs and 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 monsters, as Cameron mentioned at the top of the show. But then there's also the the ball pits and the various rooms with like there's there's one part where they just start freaking out because they keep opening doors and they just lead to other doors that are smaller <laughs> and right. like another door another door um <laughs> Willy Wonka. and uh there, there's clowns like shotgunning confetti there's a giant fire pole that they take down at one point where there's a there's a like a clown monster chewing up so right. if you slid all the way down you'd get eaten there's like moving doorways and and fog machines straight up i kid you not by the time you hit the end of this movie it's basically like uh killer clowns german expressionism it's like dr mabuse <laughs> assets going on here yeah it is it, it truly <laughs> is it's crazy and then that they end up in like this big black room where this giant clown it's like you already thought you saw the eight foot monster clowns but no now we have like they have this like 30 foot pet like uh like uh job of the, the hut hat this guy actually has a name too uh jojo the clownzilla oh i like that yeah. that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's like i don't know if it's like their god or it's like a pet that they've been keeping to kill the anything they can't kill themselves i don't know but this 30 foot giant monster of a clown and it's it destroys like the ice cream truck and all that it's it's great it's so awesome i think the name of the the clown on the ice cream truck is also jojo like i think it says jojo on the side of the ice cream truck <laughs> battle it's of the jojos yeah but yeah just the just the fact yeah getting through like this movie which is already just so like creative and fun to watch and like so many just impressive gags and fun effects. And then just being like, Oh yeah, there's also a giant monster at the end. Like yeah. that's just the greatest gift like <laughs> to, to, to make it through that and realize, Oh, there's still one more really, really awesome thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, th- this is, this is what also made it r- remind me of uh, Peter Jackson a little bit too. Cause like, obviously that's also the ending of brain dead. True. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, for sure. With the, uh, with the, with, with the big mom monster. It's also um, the end of King Kong too. <laughs> well, that, that's got to be it because uh, Peter Jackson obviously really loves King Kong too. So this feels just honestly like a bit of a throwback to like old school monster movies a little bit, and then obviously old school sci-fi movies like The Blob and stuff yeah. like that as well. And but, then yeah, kind of that '80s cheese and the '80s gore a little bit. Yeah, 
and and just the, the the premise of of killer clowns from outer space you got it you got a good combo going on there but yeah, as jamie mentioned i do really like the bit too where they bring the ice cream truck in with the megaphones and they're all covered in like lipstick and their clothes are torn from presumably having sex with the, the lady <laughs> lady clowns and they start bossing around all the other clowns but then it obviously it doesn't it doesn't end up taking because before they can escape clownzilla comes down the hatch and he starts breaking shit up you think that he's actually killed the ice cream truck brothers but dave uh fucks up clownzilla by taking his badge off and stabbing the, the clownzilla nose with the badge that's right until he fucking explodes and he <laughs> blows up the giant space tent into fireworks and confetti and everywhere and uh they escape in the clown car which is as what jamie mentioned at the top of the show yes Super so protective. dave totally makes it but and also the two brothers survived because apparently it was deemed a little too bleak that the brothers died. <laughs> Don't they even have like <laughs> they made that into a gag too? Because doesn't Mike come up and go like, "We thought you were dead," and then the yeah. the brothers are something like, "We did too," or something like that. Like it's just a, it's a complete throwaway, which I I that was brilliant. That was very funny. Yeah, no, we we hid in the ice cream. Yeah, oh, anyone okay. want a dipsicle? Right, <laughs> <laughs> the freezer with the ice cream. Oh my god. I love yeah, that the end, the ending, the like last line or two is like so perfect too. Like you know the yeah. everyone survived, the clowns blew up, and then they go like, "Oh, do you think it's over?" And he's just like, "Yeah, sure." <laughs> and they just get hit in the face with pies, and then it's just that, the music. Yeah, it's such a perfect ending. That, yeah, just, that just, that passive "Yeah, sure" is yeah. so good. <laughs> <It's> so <laughs> <Yeah>. funny. <laughs> sure, why not? Yeah, uh, honestly, he he basically you get to the end of the movie and he just looks and he's like, "Yeah, you know what." Why not? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, man. And honestly, like with having, I, I'm glad that they went to the route of just like having everybody live because it's just, uh, I don't know. It's one of those, those movies. It doesn't need to be like nihilistic or anything like that. I'm just, I'm here to have a good time with, with killer clowns from outer space. So yeah, I, I looked it up and apparently this is like a PG, uh, movie I heard. PG? Like, uh, I, well, I mean, maybe, maybe not, but I, I saw people say that it, it didn't get the full R. Maybe maybe that's just in Canada, though, Do they have, we, we we have other ratings. I, mean, <laughs> I feel like there isn't that much, like, really awful gore. Like, there's the no, head yeah. coming off, mm-hmm. and there's the, you know, the, the ventriloquist scene and stuff. And I don't think yeah. I guess they swear. Yeah. Like, I think there might be one fuck in it, but that's it. So I, I don't, yeah. yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, there's no nudity either. Yeah, none of that, uh, yeah. so... Yeah. So, well, even even if it's not, regardless, this is uh, it, it. It might just be too scary because the clowns are too scary. It might <laughs> yeah. be enough to get it. Get <laughs> yeah, it I don't think uh, sure. if I was a kid, I would be able to handle just the design of the clowns. Honestly, like like they're they are the designs <laughs> yeah. themselves are actually pretty frightening, especially if you're not a a fan of clowns. Yeah. Yeah. Well, pivoting towards the reductive rating round, which uh, for you, Cameron, I'm sure you know, but it's the uh, part of the show where we remove all the words, all the nuance, and reduce the movie between a number between one and five, but it's also become final statements or um, any uh, lines or scenes that we didn't end up hitting. We did a pretty good job on this one, but sometimes it happens. Uh, but yeah, for me, this this one uh, ended up getting the the pretty solid four. I kind of wished I watched it at a, at a younger age, because I bet mm-hmm. you if I watched this at a younger age, this would be... This would be like masterpiece levels. I feel <laughs> yeah. like I feel like I feel like I would have been in the right mode if I had seen this when I was like 15 years old. I would have been like, "That's the craziest fucking movie I've ever seen." <laughs> yeah, um, but but being so late into us doing this show, I definitely had like a uh, 
a, a bit of like, yeah, I've, I, I have reference points for a lot of stuff that I'm seeing here, but I think it's being done very, very well done. Like, again, it has one joke. What if killer space aliens looked like clowns and it just riffs on it, but it riffs on it very, very creatively. It's consistently funny and absurd. It's definitely a comedy movie more than a horror movie, but the commitment to the bit is so thorough. Yeah. They, yeah. they, they, it, it honestly, it's one of those things where like a movie like this always walks that line of, you know, is it funny or is it lazy? Yes. And yeah. I never found out, found for a second that they were being lazy with any of the humor here. Um, and I think mm-hmm. you're obviously anyone's enjoyment is going to hinge on whether that bit works for you or not. For sure. But my God, it is so vividly realized by the Kyoto brothers who obviously being special effects guys, they know how to do that. Um, and it's so clear and charming that, you know, similar to how I feel about the early Peter Jackson stuff, that it's clearly just made by, by friends who wanted to make something fun and something ridiculous, but it's also very effectively tangible with popcorn guns and shadow puppet monsters and larva popcorn kernels as if they're like xenomorph alien birds <laughs> and like, you know, cotton cotton candy balloon people, acidic pies. It's, it's literally like itchy and scratchy level shit. Yeah, but there is yeah. like real work being done to bring it to life, which I just like, I, I gotta respect it. So yeah, for me, very, very uh, solid four. Yeah, yeah. For me, it's probably uh, like a high four. Honestly, uh, I love like the that. That's a good way of, of putting it. Like itchy and scratchy. It's very, very Looney Tunes kind of crazy, over the top violence, and uh, but but just very cartoonish. So yeah, I, I love that aspect of it. I love that they were able to make this kind of one gag work so many times in so many different ways. Uh, it's a like, and they're fully committed to it. It it, it never is afraid of its cheesiness or anything that, uh, any kind of like, I don't know. I, I, you could say eye rolly for maybe certain people. I don't get that, that vibe. I find this all charming. No, uh, I, I, I find that this is a so bad it's good to a lot of people, but this is yeah, just good. I don't, right. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Yeah, yeah. It's just good. I don't like, there's not an ironic sense to me enjoying this. I think this is a very well made, uh, like, uh, creature feature in a way. Um, but, uh, but yeah, this, I also have like, kind like, of a, everything that someone would find funny and like make uh, to like make fun of it is just all something that's on built purpose. into it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I feel like people are kind of like misreading what the film is really trying to do, which is what, what they're getting entertain uh, entertainment from. So, uh, but I have kind mm-hmm. of like a, uh, discovering this movie was awesome for me cause it was just me and my brother, uh, you know, Baked in my how it should be watched. Right, just exactly. You and two other brothers. Me and my yeah, me and my brother uh, <laughs> baked in my parents' basement, uh, just looking through Netflix, trying to find something outrageous and stupid and something to laugh at. And we just happened to we hadn't even heard of it at the time, so it was really like discovering a gem. Uh, and um, and ever since that, it was about ten years ago, I guess I watched it for the first time. I've watched it like at least once every every couple years. Uh, and I just get endless entertainment from it every single time. Uh, the gags are fantastic throughout the entire film. Uh, and yeah, this will always be kind of like a near and dear to my heart kind of film because uh, discovered it with my brother and it's, and it's fantastic. So yeah, four out of five. Hell yeah, for you, Cameron. Uh, for me, this is a pretty easy five out of five. Uh, this Hell is yeah. like, yeah, this is one of my favorites. Um, I totally agree with the like, the so bad it's good thing it's not it's just not it's not bad it's just good yep like i feel i feel really strong i i get really annoyed when people call stuff like so bad it's good because it's like 
if you enjoyed it, doesn't that just mean it's, it's good. Like <laughs> yeah. I like to, I like to show this movie to people to be like, okay, here, like watch this and, and then tell me, try and tell me like it's bad. Like there's clearly so much thought going in. Right. It's, it's just, it's exactly what I look for in a movie, which is just like super creative, super fun. You can tell they had a lot of fun making it like infinitely rewatchable and you could like watch it on your own or with friends. It's just, yeah, it's just pretty much perfect to me. I love it. Yeah. It is oh, awesome. Yeah. No, it's I it and it, again the the wealth of kind of like visual imagination of it too. Um, yeah, the design. I, is I was uh, th- that that's what I was really taken taken with because like being special effects guys, these guys really did know how to realize everything that they were doing. And yeah, some of it is like silly. It's like yeah, it's clown shit. But dude, they they just take that as yeah. far as they can go. As yeah. far, and, yeah. yeah. And there you are know, so it, many people who would have stopped dead at like you know not having. Like who else would have honestly? I don't know who else would have came up with like you know uh, balloon uh, sniffing dogs <laughs> tracker. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, like it's just, it's one of those things that you 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 it sound it seems so simple when you finally sit down and like watch the film and it seems effortless in a way, but like there very clearly is so much work being done on this. And I heard yep. that they went pretty significantly like over budget and stuff like that because they kept just. Uh, coming you know, they, up with they new ideas, to put so much work into <laughs> the actual, you know, uh, special effects designs and stuff that they were doing, and they yeah. made a lot of it themselves. Obviously, yeah. yeah, you can really tell it was a labor of love. Like it's very, it may not like have like, it may not have like the any like it may not have like directorial flair, you know, or like right. neon lighting, like a lot of stuff that people love from the eighties do. But it's just like so, it's just pure creativity to me. Yeah. You know, it's just yeah. Yeah, for sure. I agree. Sweet. Well, I think that will wrap it up for Killer Clowns from Outer Space. We're going to be right back, and we're going to be talking about brain damage. It's gotten into him. Sometimes everything glows with a different kind of light. Deep into him. What are you telling me? That we killed someone last night? Something bad. <laughs> something slimy. What are you doing? Something very... I know something's happened to you. Very... How is that? Hungry. <laughs> We are back and we are talking Brain Damage, the 1988 American comedy horror film. Uh, I believe is it is it, is it, it has to be written, yeah, written and directed by Frank Henenlotter. Uh, <laughs> some of you might remember we just recently talked about Frank Henenlotter for the first time on the show during Spooktober this year. We talked about Basket Case. Um, a brief recap for anyone who missed that. We uh, Frank Henenlotter, very, very uh, cool underground exploitation filmmaker, grew up loving the exploitation genre and this exploitation movies, which he watched a lot on 42nd Street, oh, which yeah. uh, for, for anyone, that's the, that's the New York grindhouse where the name uh, Sleazoid Express even got made. Um, 
So uh, he's a true do uh, like uh, a real deal exploitation filmmaker. He always said that he never even considered himself like a like a horror filmmaker or a comedy filmmaker. He always said mm-hmm. exploitation was the way to go. There's something more um, sort of like punkish about you know that to him. Was that than, probably you know, where like the asp- like we were all, we were discussing it with with Basket Case where it's like sure there's there's a, there's strange elements to his his movies. You know there's like that creature monster stuff and like the horror elements but we found ourselves really caring for like the the drama that was going on between the uh the the meatball and and the brother (laughs) (laughs) yeah well i i think the the way that he kind of viewed it is that you know that exploitation films were kind of defined by i think as he 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 called it like an attitude okay he said that it was like that you know any any hollywood studio can technically make a horror film yeah, that is yeah. not describing what makes a, an exploitation horror film, you know, different. Or same same with a comedy film. Studios make comedy films all the time. It's it's a different kind of comedy to him. Um, and yeah, when we started with Basket Case, like obviously an absurdly gross and grimy, like no budget 16 millimeter splatter movie. He uh, basically considered like one of the early splatter movies uh, just in general. Okay. Um, he shot that on like, I can't even remember. It was some, I think it was like 25 or $30,000. Yeah. He made it with like four people. Um, and it's a movie obviously about the conjoined, uh, twin brothers, one, uh, a, a sort of like normal upstate New York dork and the other, a murderous meatball that is like attached to his (laughs) abdomen and they are forcefully separated from each other by their abusive father who views them both as kind of like this little monster. Um, and, uh, they are uh, forcefully separated by their father who hires New York's filthiest medical professionals, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, to, to perform that surgery. And eventually they get, uh, they go out into the world, they go into, you know, Times Square, they stay in a filthy little motel and they, you know, they, they plan revenge on the people who separated them. Um, but at a certain point, as Jamie mentioned, it transitions into like a very weird, bleak, like midnight movie melodrama. Yeah. Um, where like you really do care about the brotherly relationship. There's something sensitive having there. And I mean, An- Angelo brought it on and talked about it a little bit in the context of sort of like, you know, how we uh, sometimes treat disabled children and mm-hmm. disabled siblings. And that's, you know, uh, Bilal kind of effectively emotionally gets at that with all of his. Uh, his screaming that's all he does <laughs> yeah. he just goes ah! emotion pure emotion <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he pops out of the toilet he's like ah! <laughs> yeah, he's a, a man of passion performance. Yeah. <laughs> yes love it but yeah, Hen and Lauder, the the style is very New York City gutter trash guerrilla filmmaking of the seventies, like a you know like a like a Larry Cohen or a, uh, yeah. a Bill Lustig or you know and uh, but I, we were surprised when we talked about that film to find ourselves like kind of emotionally invested in in the humanity of the shrieking meatball that shreds people's faces and I think that's something that Hen and Lauder is very good at. He's good at 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 both being incredibly funny, yeah. Um, having genuine splatter horror sequences that kind of get under your skin um, and are, are graphic and gory, of course. Um, and also somehow always having some sort of emotional undercurrent that actually the comedy doesn't undermine in any way. And Absolutely. I would say the exact same thing is true of brain damage, which brain yeah, damage yeah. is a legit, um, you know, it's a, it's, it's an addiction allegory that works. And also yeah. as uh, it's, it's the original venom. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> definitely. That's true. <laughs> that was my favorite element when I found out like that 
the brain thing talks and, and that it talks like a uh, kind of like a classic leading man voice in a way. Like it's kind of got this. Uh, uh, His voice is ridiculous. Yeah. It's, it's so, so ridiculous. Great, yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's fantastic. Which I, which, which I heard was done by some sort of like, uh, like TV ho- uh, host or something like that. That's the vibe John, I got. John Zacherl or whatever. Yeah, it's very cartoony yeah. in that way. Yeah, which which, which honestly kind of causes you to underestimate him sometimes. Absolutely, just the way that he speaks. Yeah, because he's like um, he's got that trustworthy voice where he's just kind of like, uh, well, hi, how are you, sir? Uh, yeah. yeah, just come da- come on down. I'll give you the good stuff. Like it, it's just. Uh, yeah, it, it, just put me on the back of your neck and everything <laughs> will be fine. Yeah. <laughs> so good. <laughs> yeah, it's a great um, it's a great design too. Like uh, Oh yeah. Yes. Just kind of like like especially the way I think I think with yeah, how the voice sounds so inviting and and nice and then and with contrasting with you know how really awful of a little bugger he is, but like <laughs> I, the design really reflects that with like he has those like weird little sad blue eyes you know yeah um, and like moving and then, eyebrows then has, yeah yeah and he just kind of wiggles around but then like when he gets on the back of of brian's neck you know the way his jaw like unhinges and he mm-hmm. has these like all these crazy like jagged teeth and like wiggly yeah, like a deep sea creature mouth kind of thing yeah yeah <laughs> it's really it's really great it's really creepy yeah it's fantastic and it's like watching that over and over again, the, the needle kind of being like it, it protrudes from his mouth and then goes into Brian's neck over and over and over again. Uh, it, it is constantly and consistently just kind of just just gross and kind of cringing. Uh, cringing. Oh, yeah. No, there, yeah. there's definitely like a penetration anxiety uh, because also he's like a little like a like a textured like a little slug but he's also like harder in a way and later they use him as a penis and he is like a like a weird little phallic thing and then so having him like open up his like 100 teeth mouth and putting this little tiny like like what looks like a needle into the back of his neck where he uh, injects the the blue brain juice, which is like, yeah. I guess just supposed to be like LSD or something, some sort of psychedelic drug. Yeah. He's, he's tripping at one point. He's just having like his own little rave in a junkyard. <laughs> he's just oh, going that's off. My f- I love that. Like when he, he see, yeah, he just sees a junkyard and he goes, Oh my God. Wow. <laughs> and like, he's so excited. It reminds me, I don't know if you guys have ever seen like those, like, there's like this Reddit screenshot that's gone around a few times. That's like uh, from like a, a, some psychedelic subreddit. And it's just like, it's like, uh, like, I can't believe my eyes. The world is so beautiful. And it's just like a picture of a dirty bathroom floor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It just reminds 100%. me so much of that. Yeah. That's exactly and what he's, it is. He, he, he's he's just like going... rummaging around the junkyard from street yeah. trash. <laughs> he's like... Yeah, exactly. And he's seeing all these vibrant colors. And I love like they, they constantly go back to his like his visuals, like what he's seeing. And it's nothing but just crazy, just blues, oranges, reds, just psychedelic colors over and over again. Um, it puts you into, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's a cool way of like putting you into his, his headspace because this is a guy that it doesn't seem like he's had any issues before. This is a very new, uh, addiction problem. Um, and just to, to kind of express the ecstasy that way was, it was a cool way of doing it. Yeah. yeah I love he, that. He definitely that takes first, that element seriously. That, uh, that first, uh, psychedelic sequence too, when he like first gets the juice is so great when, uh, yeah. he's like lying in his bed and the 
the room kind of fills up with that that blue oh, yeah. liquid, and the the lamp on the ceiling turns into an eyeball. Yeah, it's like yes. so so surreal and great, and it's like yeah, it's it's like kind of kind of builds up slowly. It's a, yeah. There's these really like hallucinatory like expressive lighting effects being done where things are like being overexposed and blending together while the blue liquid is like filling the room, and when his lamp turns into the eyeball, you even see like the veins on the eyeball and everything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's very, very cool. And then obviously, literally, the blue liquid just fills his his entire room. I think and, to the uh, point it, it consumes him entirely, which is just a... It's a really cool image to watch it go from, uh, from like, you know, nothing until it's completely full. And and they do this... Uh, it's, a, it's a bit of a cheap effect, but I did like it, where he's... Was, like he's on the bed and to show the filling of the room with the blue liquid I guess they, they probably couldn't actually fill an entire room with blue liquid so they kind of have <laughs> like this animated thing that's cut out beside him in order to, to pull off the visual effect and it's cheap mm-hmm. but I mean that kind of adds to the charm uh, with a lot of these films for me so well yeah and what's kind of funny about this is that this is actually Henan Lauder getting a budget yeah, because <laughs> sure. uh, because Bas- basket case was shot for like twenty five thousand dollars. I think this was like five hundred thousand dollars. So it's a significant budget increase for okay, yeah. for Henan Lauder, which he used mostly, obviously, on on the creature because uh, the creature, his name is Aylmer. Yeah, uh, he, he is you know pretty pretty well designed and like more thoroughly designed and can do more things than Bilal could do. He made good use of Bilal, obviously in oh, yeah. um, Basket Case. But like Elmer is just the design is much weirder. He even looks like a weird little worm brain thing. And the basic premise is that he escapes uh, an an old couple who live in the same apartment building as him, right? And they they keep him yep. in the bathtub. And I like that we're introduced kind of like in media res, like to them freaking out that their son Elmer is missing. Yeah, yeah. It's like, he's know. gone. He's gone. They're like screaming and wailing about how their son is gone, and that they brought uh, animal brains home to like <laughs> yeah. feed it to him and and, I, and stuff. And, and they're I, in like legit emotional turmoil over losing. Uh, their 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 pet. Yeah, and I I like that uh, he doesn't let you know what kind of creature we're dealing with. And I hadn't seen the movie or really heard much about it, but like I knew about brain damage, but I didn't know uh, what the creature looked like or anything like that. And uh, before you know that, they have them looking through all these really small spaces and peculiar spaces, and you're kind of like, well, what the hell are they even looking for then? Because at first you think it might be their you know, I don't know, mutant son or something like that, uh, keeping them in the bathtub. Um, but, but I just like that they, before they show you the design of the creature, they also have them kind of looking in cupboards and stuff. I'm like, what could they possibly be looking for? Yeah. 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 Like what could be behind the plates? In the cupboard? What? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. One and, like, detail and you're I feeding really brains to it. So it's gotta yeah, be something yeah. weird. <laughs> One detail I really love from that opening scene too is when they're like bringing the brains in, they just put one little sprig of like parsley on the brain. <laughs> like <laughs> classy. <laughs> yeah, it's so great. It's such a just a funny little throwaway thing. Fine dining, baby. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But but Aylmer, he he breaks way into Brian's apartment and Brian um, uh, basically has to give up going to uh, a concert with, with his girlfriend and um, his brother Mike, I think it suggests, uh, lives with him. And so Mike takes his girlfriend out to the concert they had plans to go to because he's not feeling well. He's just genuinely not feeling well. Yeah. And then he lies down in bed and this is where Aylmer, you know, uh, 
get get some high for the first time. Um, and we, we talked about, you know, how, how the, the sequence and how it's expressed in the filmmaking is, is very well done. Um, Hen and Lauder, just a, a very solid um, director and very good at visually expressing himself, even on limited money. Yeah. Um, but, but when he wakes up and he, you know, he finds this little fucking worm that's like twisting around on his on his body and he goes hi uh, <laughs> and then he gives him his pitch about how you know he, he will show him all the colors and music and your your life will be nothing but light and pleasure and, and euphoria and you won't feel pain or hurt or or suffering anymore basically just establishing that he he essentially just is a a walking talking drug um and mm. Uh, he then tells him though, take me for a walk. I'm hungry. (laughs) (laughs) And oh my God, he, he's like, oh, I mean, okay. So, you know, he could get, get some high and he, his, his overall sort of ploy is, you know, that he, he gets them high so that he can then use their body. And there's, he's creating a sort of like unwilling symbiotic relationship um, and just using sort of like this this uh, leech LSD uh, biological function that he has where he he makes the people hallucinate so that then he can guide their body to the places he wants them to go so that then he can go and latch onto people's brains and suck their fucking brains out like he I really does love at the street trash junkyard <laughs> with the, yeah. uh, the, 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 the he just like literally just latches on to like his uh, the, his forehead and yeah. just starts like pulling shit out. I really like that, the shots of when he's getting injected with the with the blue liquid uh, and getting the high that it shows like his brain kind of seeping the blue liquid into it like it's drinking it in. Oh, yeah like into his like nervous system and his yeah, spine and, and they stuff. do that yeah. almost every time they show the, the needle going in and I just found it very effective it's kind of just like this reminder of the, the kind of the physical dependency that he's getting every single time that he's injecting the, the liquid yeah, and with the like the like electricity that like yeah goes yeah. through the brain too. It's a very good like yeah visual indicator of like yeah this. Uh, if you couldn't guess, this stuff's bad news. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely for sure. But it makes you see all these colors <laughs> and right in the way vibes. Oh, man. <laughs> how could a how could a chemical from an evil little like log of poop be bad? <laughs> when you can see all oh, the colors dude, when- of the rainbow. <laughs> when, when when he eats that like uh, security guard's forehead or whatever it is, and uh, uh, Brian just goes, "Is he okay?" <laughs> and he goes, "Not bad, a bit underdone." Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Good line. Oh man, and yeah, the, the, again, the rest of this movie just becomes you know uh, Aylmer and Brian, you know, forming the symbiotic relationship where Aylmer is making him. Um, you know, feel very good and making him see these amazing images. And he's always asked, he's always saying things like juice me again. (laughs) 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 Um, and, 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 uh, but it, it starts to isolate him from, from his girlfriend and from his brother and from the people around him. He tries to explain, you know, the thing about, uh, the, the, the colors to her. And there's this really amazing sequence where he goes out to dinner with her and he's trying to explain, you know, look, I'm not spending as much time with you because I'm getting high, but he's like, you gotta understand how, how good it feels. It's so, it's so euphoric. And he, <laughs> he genuinely likes her and wants to relate the experience to her. He wants to explain it, yeah. his actions. Because clearly, you know, before this, he's never had like an, an issue with this. He just seemed like a like a normal guy. Um, but then, 
his desires and Aylmer's desires start to commingle. They start to, uh, like, inside his body, they're starting to merge together a little bit. And this is one of my favorite things that actually just even happens in the movie. When he's sitting there for food uh, with his girlfriend at the dinner table, and his his spaghetti just starts turning into brains yeah. and, like, throbbing brains on his dinner plate. Yeah. And he, he starts, he's obviously freaked out by that because that's, that's, that's what Aylmer wants. Aylmer is thinking brains, and that is literally visually appearing in his eyesight as his spaghetti is now brains. Yeah, um, and I think it's, very, like... Very, very cool effect. And it's that first kind of, like, at first he's, you know, he's feeding the little little brain Elmer so that he can keep getting high. Uh, but I guess that's like the first initial visualization that he has that, that kind of says to him, Oh, this is not now even kind of, uh, his, uh, appetites are, are coming into me now on a physical level. Yes. Uh, I think, I think at this point he doesn't even know that, that he's feeding Elmer, right? Like he doesn't No. Oh, I guess he does. You're right. Yeah, you're no, right. he, he's 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 a little too high to know what happened during the uh, junkyard kill. Right. So he he's he's just confused about the brains. All right, because that's yeah. We already mentioned when he looks at the the guy getting his brain sucked out, he just kind of replies with a "Wow." <laughs> so <laughs> so yeah, it's definitely not as concerned yet. Good point. No, he he does he doesn't know until he spends the night dancing at the punk bar <laughs> in what essentially is like a neon scuzz like musical sequence Man, this scene uh, is for his wild. like night on the town. Like like genuinely, what separates Hen and Lauder, I think, is that Hen and Lauder, you know, he is a next level trash artist. Yeah, but he is someone who would take the time to be like, here is how this character's psychological experience feels. He's having a great time. He's at like the dirtiest bar you've ever seen, and he is having a blast. Oh, it's just dancing. He's going yeah. like full cruising mode, just like partying it up. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> and a girl comes up to him who kind of like likes him because he's the one guy at the bar who's in like a suit, and she's like, <laughs> that guy's weird. So she takes him into uh, the back alley, and she decides she's going to go down on him. Uh, while reaching Ooh. into his pants, looking for a penis, she finds <laughs> Aylmer. Yes, she does. And Aylmer goes right into that mouth and pulls those brains out. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, like, the, the filming of this is, is it, it reminded me, honestly, of uh, when we were talking about Existence with the, the lubed-up butthole portal that, that Cronenberg made for the, for the video game. This one is just straight-up, like... Like it's it's basically a hardcore horror porn scene for for five minutes. It's crazy yeah. the level it of is, detail and yeah. close up that he does with the with the mouth fucking essentially. It's it is really just yeah. It's very disturbing. It's very hard wild. to watch. Yeah, it's crazy, <laughs> man. It that was yeah. it's one of the most the sound effects things. too. Oh yeah, oh, as he's yeah. like rummaging around we've, in yeah. there. Yeah, oh. dude, it's crazy. And I think it's honestly one of the most explicit things that we've we've had on the show in my opinion. Maybe it's just because it's also like sexual and rape uh, oriented as well, which is why it does that. But like, like I would think mm. like, I'm trying to think of some more like top fives. Well, no. Yeah. Bec- yeah. I was going to say, because the, the framing itself, it is basically like what you would, like if it wasn't a horror scene, it would just be porno framing. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Cause uh, the thing I, is, which, like which, she, which is what makes it all the more disturbing. Right. Like that's, that's exactly what works about it. And it's, also why Hannon Lauder, he, he had crew walk out on him filming this scene. Oh, <laughs> really? Wow. That's crazy. Cause they were very upset about the scene. And it's, and it's, I mean, it's very thorny too, because it's like, 
she sure she was going for the blowjob, but she definitely was not expecting an alien brain penis. So you know, that's yeah. definitely not cool. <laughs> Well, and how it relates to Brian, too, who in the framing, he's, like, grabbing, like, the back of her head. And yeah, he's, like, he's enjoying himself. Yeah, you know, yeah. he's, yeah, even though, obviously, but he, seems he doesn't have any too. bodily connection to it. Yeah, he's, at this point, it's because he's super high. Yeah, he's That's completely why. hypnotized, yeah. <laughs> I think this scene is so well, so well placed, like, within the movie, too. Like, yeah. it's such a, like, you know, up to the, like... I remember the first time I watched this movie, uh, like, you know, you hear that it's like, oh, this is like a comedy horror. It's got a goofy little like creature in it. And you kind of <laughs> watch it and you're like, oh, okay, this is like a drugs allegory. But like, you know, and there's, there's the scene where he latches onto a guy's head and there's the brain meatballs, but it's really not like upsetting. You know what I mean? It's yeah, just, yeah. it's very kind of silly and airy up to this point. And then this scene just like really just ramps it up, just <laughs> grabs you and shakes you. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's where it starts to get like kind of harrowing a little bit. Like there's some I think I would still consider this like a comedy overall, but there are some there's ever this is like the third time I've watched it and every time I watch it it gets a little more just like kind of genuinely upsetting to think about, Absolutely. you know. Absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely not in that same comedic aspect of like killer clowns where it's just fun and entertaining throughout. This one definitely has its moments of, of real filth and uh, thorniness. Like like this scene, when I couldn't believe what I was watching, honestly. Like I was like, this is yeah, yeah. incredibly yeah. Yeah, this, explicit. The, the, Holy shit. The, this, re- this reminded me of the scene because I had this exact same reaction to Basket Case. Mm-hmm. Um, but it comes really late in Basket Case. And it's the scene where Bilal oh, right. uh, is, oh, is yeah. trying to rape his dead girlfriend. But he can't because he physically can't. He's R-rip. a little meatball. Yeah, yeah. But he's trying, and like that's so the, you have that's that the, shot the of him really like, upsetting part. like doing like really Just weak flailing thrusts. around on her body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's nothing compared to watching a girl literally get mouthfucked by an alien brain like it's just it, it's crazy <laughs> it's fucking wild yeah and then and well and then he and then also he pulls her brains out through her mouth like he pulls them straight out of her mouth and like you see the chunky brains and everything yeah. coming out yeah. <laughs> oh my god it's yeah it's there's so much just awful detail there's like drool hanging off of Aylmer too like yeah. it's oh, like Hannah oh. Lauder you <laughs> wild man yeah he's a freak he's a freak <laughs> boy too too many textures going on for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh man! But this is where Brian uh, finds uh, he, you know he he, he kind of wakes up from from the night's events and he finds out that he's got blood on his underwear and he goes, "What the hell happened tonight?" As the old man um, who you know the who owned Aylmer in the opening scene, you know, finally finds him and says, "We you know you you have our 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 son." Uh, and you're making him too strong. You shouldn't be feeding him, you know, like like human brains. And he g- gives him a little bit of a backstory about how, you know, he's he's named Aylmer after like an ancient word about sort of like, you know, there's 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 endless histories. There, there's I love that they imply that there's this uh, this history where Elmer, you know, has traveled through civilization. <laughs> yeah. His origins can be traced to the fourth crusade and like yeah. world yeah. leaders it's have so fought great. over him. And he, he hung out with the Borgias <laughs> and the Spanish voice. Royce. That's <laughs> one of, that's one of my like favorite tropes and stuff is just like, like retroactively saying that your movie was like throughout, you know, like, like what they do in like Yu-Gi-Oh where it's like, yeah. Oh yeah. Ancient Egypt had our cards too. <laughs> like, that's just like so much, so much fun. I think they did it in the most recent transformers movie too. Oh, <laughs> yeah. 
just gonna yeah, say I that. Love it. The that was the best so part, sick. dude. It's <laughs> so dude, like that re- is great. There was I love a Renaissance painting yeah. of a Transformer in that new one. They do, I'm pretty sure they do it in Beyblades too, which is very funny to me. <laughs> oh man, I, yeah. It, anytime any franchise does that, I am on board. I think that's the best yeah. shit ever. <laughs> Absolutely. We were a part of saving Elmer. you from the Nazis. Like it's just yeah. it's so funny, man. Dude, they they say that that Elmer was in World War II Germany too. <laughs> Right. <laughs> He's probably best friends with Hitler, man. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's so funny. Yeah, this this old man is looking like kind of like a junkie in withdrawal from losing from losing Aldmer, and he kind of scares him into realizing that he's not as in control of this experience as as he 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 thought it was. So he locks himself in like a rundown motel. Almost looks like the same rundown motel as Basket Case. Yeah, could be. Um and uh, Aylber goes, this is a real classy place, Brian. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but this scene is absolutely incredible because Brian oh, is basically yeah. confronting, you know, both his drug and his dealer at the same time with being like, what is going on? All I remember is feeling something sticky in my pants and then finding <laughs> them covered in blood. And he's like, don't worry about it, man. Don't worry about it. And one of the greatest cinematic conversations of all time (laughs) takes place, which is when it comes to blood in my underwear, I want to know how it got there. (laughs) And he's like, it's no big deal. Nothing to get upset about. Uh, It came from that girl at the club. He says, what girl? The girl whose brains I ate. (laughs) What? The blood came from the girls uh, whose brains I sucked out. You sucked out her brains? Yeah, right through her mouth. <laughs> and the greatest line of all time, is she dead? Is she dead? <laughs> <laughs> you know that girl that's lacking yeah. brains? And then, of course, and, and, she's dead. What are you kidding? <laughs> <That's such laughs> <a> good... <laughs> it's like, like come to on, just to, have to get it together. Yeah, to hear Every Elmer time. have just a little bit of sass. <laughs> just when he's been so, like, nice the whole time. Yeah, he's like, come on, Brian, like. Yes, yeah, she's fucking dead, bro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Every time he asks, is she dead? I just lose my mind. Oh, I'm like, oh, he sucked her brains out, dude. It's <laughs> so funny. Um, but yeah, you know, so so he, he's, he's learning that he's being, he's a part of something really icky and gross and that, you know, he's, uh, you know, he even tells him about how he sucked the, the, the guard dry at the junkyard the night that they, they met. And then he, he starts getting more commanding. He's like, I own you, Brian. Yeah. And Brian obviously starts sort of like vomiting and he's in pain and he's getting withdrawals because he doesn't want to be a, a part of this situation, but he has been addicted to the blue brain juice. And, and I mean, you know, like, what are you, what are you, what are you going to do, man? He starts having these really horrible nightmares of like, like straight up body horror sequences where he's oh, like yeah. pulling a little, uh, like a string of flesh, like out of his ear. Yeah, he keeps yeah. pulling it and pulling it, hoping it's going to end until it, he literally tears his ear off, uh, and chunky blood starts just like flowing. Yeah. Out like of a waterfall of blood. Yeah. It's crazy. That and scene then I th- is, is great. It's so uncomfortable. It's so just the, the like that like rope thing is just so well done. You can just like feel it when you're washing. It's just, just yeah, disgusting. It's, it's, it's like a, it's, it's the body horror version of when you pull like a string off some, one of your clothes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. It was like the body horror version of the uh, withdrawal scene in train spotting a little bit. <laughs> Like where, where Ian McGregor just starts seeing the most crazy whacked out shit in his room. But this time you have just like that horror element. So you have the ear and then I really like, uh, 
uh, Aylmer, after he kind of wakes up from the fever dream, he's just like, whenever you want the pain to stop, I'll be right here. And it's just, yeah. it, there's a creepiness to like the drug itself telling you like, Hey, <laughs> I'm, I'm the answer. Just, just yeah. inject me again and it's all over. Don't worry about it. And I do also Ready to love, beg for it, Brian. Yeah. I also really like how long this sequence is. Cause it, it just kind of like, it, it makes it seem like Brian is really, really trying not to, to take the drug again. Cause it, it's like a, yeah. you know, it's a good five minute sequence of him just like sweating, having fever dreams just, and the whole time Elmer's just sitting there like mocking him and telling him it's like hey oh dude he's 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 having a blast he's like wiggling around in the sink yeah he's He's singing at one point he he sings elmer's tune (laughs) yeah elmer's tune i i wrote down some of the lyrics here it's uh, why are the stars always winking and blinking above what makes a fellow start thinking and falling in love (laughs) (laughs) it's elmer (laughs) it's elmer's tune (laughs) that's great oh my god and he's and I love once again like he's got that TV host voice. So when he's singing, it's very like uh, leading man show tune kind of thing. And I and I just I love that aspect of it too. Yeah, he's, he's doing like Sinatra voice or something. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, uh, the, the candy maker, the baker, the man on the street, the city charmer, the farmer, and the man in the moon—they all sing Elmer's tune. <laughs> <laughs> Is that just like a list of people that he's made addicted to his drug, essentially? Yeah, because some of them specifically, he was he was talking about like you know like an eighty year old lady, and, yeah, you know, yeah. It's interesting because yeah. that's a that is a real song, I believe. I'm pretty sure it's an old like a uh, jazz song called Elmer's Tune. That, oh, okay. Uh, oh. He just sings, yeah. That's um, awesome. But it's it well, is interesting how like it fit like it really does feel like it fits. Like it makes me wonder if if they worked backwards from the song, like you know, yeah, how they, if they chose the name and then chose the song or vice versa. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, but uh, essentially Brian tries his best to resist, but he 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 really can't, and it is really torturous. Like the way that Hennenlauter oh, yeah. films this, it's really upsetting, and it's really easy to understand why he just wants to go back to the the psychedelic brain juice at a certain point. <laughs> yeah, you don't blame Brian, even though Brian knows that with taking it comes, you know, him helping feed um, Elmer. Yeah, um, and yeah, which shit. means I he's mean, got to like, kill the, people. Yeah, and and it get, all of the sequences get really like you know more horror based as you know he's getting involved in the killing. Like when he tries to help him kill the dudes in like the motel. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. There's a there's a really awesome one where he he tries to like uh, uh, wingman Elmer by going into the shower. Oh yeah. And there's just like this there's just this naked ripped man just cleansing himself, and he's like, "Hey man, are <laughs> yeah. you okay? Just the sweetest giant." It's so man. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, no, nobody's going to give you any trouble. And then just leaves. <laughs> it's so nice. Oh, man. Yeah. And it, well, cause, and that's one thing we learned, too, about Basket Case, too, is that Hennenlauter, sort of like John Waters, he has, like, an affection for kind of, like, weirdos and, and filthy locale and stuff. So, like, something that was kind of sweet about Basket Case was that he kind of just likes all the residents of the trashy motel. Yeah. yeah. He thinks that they're all just kind of, like, good people falling on hard times and, you know, they all just make do. Um, so, yeah. like, when, when they, they kind of, like, welcome the character in the Basket Case uh, version, you know, he goes to, like, the, the, the freak bar and the filthy motel and everyone just kind of, like, welcomes him, him in and they're like, hey, buddy, how's it going? Even though he's, like, the dorkiest looking dude just carrying around <laughs> a twill basket with him everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Which, by the way, he's in this movie. Oh, sure yeah. Is. That's awesome. Such an awesome. Yeah, so great. It's it was I I was just so I lit up. Like I thought that that was such a funny <laughs> gag. And I also like that they make the 
uh, the basket case brother uncomfortable with with Brian rather than yeah. like, <laughs> like he's like he sits down and he sees the little movement and what he's going through and he's just kind of like all right I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna he's get like, up Ugh. myself yeah <laughs> and it's like yeah, yeah the the Han and Letter cinematic universe is the best for sure we need it yeah, yeah we want it. The people demand it. Bring it back. I wonder, like, have you guys, uh, <laughs> is, is there any other movies that he makes references to his own films? Or is this kind of like, I actually just saw haven't a seen the Basket Case sequels yet or Frankenhooker. So okay, I can't say. okay. Because yeah, I, 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 I figured it might have been just the fact that they have kind of uh, similar premises in a way, just like that, that kind of ex- extension mm-hmm. of yourself in, in some form of a creature. Uh, and then um, kind of a guy going through those those issues. So I, I didn't know if that was him just like kind of paying homage in that sense, correlating the two films, or if he was just like, this would be yeah. a funny-ass gag, because it works both ways, I think. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, and similar to Cronenberg, he really loves that idea of sort of like emotional and psychological relationships being expressed in like this kind of like tangible yeah. body horror situation. In Basket Cases, obviously, there's the there's the brotherly element and the, the disabled element, and in here we obviously have the... The, the addiction, but also what's interesting is that it, it's not just addiction as in like, you know, um, he is addicted to the drug and it's ruining his life and, you know, he's um, um, killing people now and he's very upset about that. It's also about how it dissolves his relationships, which is where it right. gets to like a, as, as the back half of the film and how it kind of hurts the people around him as well. Yeah. Yeah, because he starts neglecting his girlfriend. Um, because of the drug and essentially that brother just swoops right in. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'll say that brother's a little sus. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right from like the very beginning. Yeah. yeah he's yeah. like, it's like, <laughs> he's just waiting. He's he just really waiting is. for Elmer to come in there. <laughs> yeah. yeah it, we might have a version where he fucking placed Elmer just, uh, just so he could get, <laughs> get the girl. Yeah. There's yeah. that, there's that crazy scene where, uh, where his brother and his girlfriend are like having sex and like there's that like uh well first like Almer like stands up under his covers to look like a boner like, <laughs> oh yeah there's that little like visual gag which yeah. is like all kind of a gag and then also like very thematic and creepy yeah you know well yeah because because it's happening while he's listening to them have yeah, sex in yeah, his yeah. room and then and it turns so into this like psychedelic threesome thing where he's like eating yeah. his girlfriend and he has the the like suckers from Almer all over his body <laughs> oh, it's yeah, like man. It's yeah, so it's intense. one of those things where the filmmaking merges like the character experience in that moment because he's sitting there going, "I've neglected my brother and and my girlfriend, and now they are having sex, and I'm listening to that." And then how that translates into the bodily function of him getting a boner, but the boner is just Aylmer. Yeah, and then how that combines into you know his now his psychedelic dream that he's about to have now that Elmer has given him the brain juice again. It's very Cronenberg. Really well done. Very Cronenberg. Yeah. It actually reminded me of the sequence in Dead Ringers when he goes yeah. to sleep and he imagines her biting off his umbilical cord in in his sleep. Yeah, because like again, it's, it's that it's that that that, that like emotional relationship with his brother where he needs to he feels like he needs to disconnect from his brother that this girl is tearing them apart yeah. and it's rendered in, an, in a, a literal image of the woman biting an umbilical cord attaching yeah. him and his brother together and they together. have that sequence where they kind of do that sandwich with the girl or whatever with Jeremy yes. and and so yeah it, it definitely gave me Cronenberg uh, vibes just mixed with the kind of anxiety from the, the sexual aspect in the scene and then, you know, the, the body addiction and the dependency on it. Uh, 
And then, I mean, to watch the guy have that, that those like suctions on the blue suctions on his stomach was very much like a video drone kind of thing or something yeah, like they, that. Yeah, they look yeah. like mushroom spores or something. Right, yeah, or yeah. like a octopus tentacle suckers or yeah. whatever. Yeah, <laughs> very strange. Yeah, and, and what's so kind of, um, you know, I think what ends up kind of being harrowing about this is that this is where any other filmmaker, I think, would just lean into the trashiness. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead, what Brian doesn't like, you know, go, I want revenge on those people. He instead realizes that his psychedelic dream means that his feelings of, you know, that he might have of you know, annoyance at them or something like that is going to blend in with Almer's desire for brains. So his reaction is the same way that, you know, the brains were appearing on his plate. He's like, my feelings towards you could end up with Almer coming after you. Right. And he basically admits, he just goes, look, uh, he needs the brains, but I need his juice and I can't cope with the killing. I can't know, know or I can't cope with knowing that I'm going to kill someone so I'll just take his juice so that I won't have to know, but I also won't know if it's you or not, and I I don't want it to be either of you. Like, I don't want to kill you, yeah. but yeah. if I take his juice, I won't know if I'm killing you or not. Yeah, there's still, like, um, a, there's and, like and an it's empathy. really sadly delivered. It's, like, it's, like, it's still an, yeah, it's very, I think that you're right that that's, like, really what elevates, like, this from, like, you know, some other, like, New York trash sleaze type stuff is that you really mm-hmm. yeah there really is still like a care for the characters like there's still people you know with yeah with relationships that are very clearly like suffering it's not just it doesn't tur- yeah it doesn't turn into it doesn't ratchet it up from there you know it kind of starts to die down a little bit in terms of the craziness yeah yeah it mm-hmm. really does mm-hmm. it's like really the- well, that, that's when he chases Barbara onto the subway right and when we see Dwayne and and Bilal chilling down beside them and then Barbara tries to like you know make make up with him because she's like look when you spoke to me like that I saw you for the first time in a long time and all this ever was was just that you weren't there I didn't want to lose you and you know and so like that moment actually is what seals her fate is that he revealed you know his you know his his old self to her she tries to kiss him and we get a repeat of the blowjob sequence, but in uh, from mouth to mouth this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little that more scene loving on the subway <laughs> in a sense. <laughs> that scene on the subway where where Almer keeps like kind of coming out of of his mouth for just like a moment and then going back in, like whenever the lights flash in the subway. Oh yeah, <laughs> yes. It's just I almost so forgot fun. about that. Such a fun effect with that like weird little noise too. Like the uh, the sound design for Almer is so great. I love those like weird like glugging and gurgling noises yeah like yeah, uh, for sure yeah just a just a really fun scene like even though it's it's pro- it's the part of the movie where it starts to just get really like uh at least for me like kind of sad just sad oh for it sure just is fun to just have that like little goofy like visual effect to <laughs> yeah. kind of lighten it up a little bit yeah because it gets mm-hmm. really really depressing as it goes yeah. Yeah. When, well, I mean, when, when, when he's kissing her and her eyes start rolling and you can hear the, the crunching and, and, and the gurgling sounds and then he pulls away from the kiss and he's like chewing on chunks of her brain because like he's also getting in on the eating now, right. essentially. Yeah. Um, and, and again, there, there's also like some like faded color distortions happening here where their kind of brains are kind of like merging together and their eyes are merging together a little bit as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's 
again, this this element of it is just where it just ends up being sad. I felt the same thing about Basket Case. When we finished watching that, it was one of those things where, like, it starts off as, like, there's a meatball just, like, tearing people's faces apart. And by <laughs> the end of it, it's just two brothers, like, dead, dead. on the ground. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and you were welcomed into Bilal's point of view where he's like, you know, having a fantasy about having, you know, like a real body and being able to have a relationship with a girl. And you know that like, he just wanted like basic human things yeah, yeah. and it was, you know, no one life. could get past what he, what he, what he looked like. And, and you feel something similar here that is just like, you know, he, Brian tried as hard as he could to resist, but he can't. Um, yeah, it's just and, too powerful. And yeah, and it's kind of like ruined everything ar- around him. And I mean, there's a whole altercation sort of like at, at the end of the film with the uh, with, with the old couple, too. Um, right, right. Where, yeah. you know, they're they're also in, in a similar experience where they're trying they're ready to like basically kill him to get like Aylmer back and everything like that. There's one amazing bit in that altercation where like. Aylmer starts giving Brian the brain juice <laughs> and then the old dude starts like squeezing oh, him, yeah, just yeah, yeah, yeah. overloading him and ODing him with like all the brain juice and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. And, and, uh, Aylmer, uh, because he like let so much of it go, he starts like bulging out and like retching and like bleeding everywhere. <laughs> yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. And, and Brian even gets like a giant, like gooey, like a bleeding bulge on the top of his head oh and everything like that, yeah, which, yeah, yeah. which then like shoots off to become like the poster image, which was always what made me want to check out the film was like the fireworks like coming out of his head. Yeah. But you realize too, that, you know, when people, you know, his, his brother comes up and, and, and sees him, you know, sitting in his room and he's OD'd on the brain juice. And there's just like this blinding electrical storm, literally like pouring out of the top of his like open skull and you're just left with this image of just like pure like destructive euphoria and that's it that's all you're left with such an incredible final shot yeah that like the roommate and cops just watching in shock as this guy is just his whole head is exploded it's yeah it's great yeah i love i i and it cuts to a great way to end the film too i was i was kind of hoping it cut to elmer's song (laughs) that would have been good that would have been good but that that synth score I did find pretty pretty fire. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I mean, and just just a really like uh, like kind of like a like a bold way to end the movie too, because like yeah. it's a, it's like literally his it it ends on I, I guess what you would consider like in a you know in a movie about drugs it ends on the OD sequence, but just what a uh, an interesting way to shoot that and how also again he doesn't let the like he makes it look cool he makes it he he goes back into like that psychedelic surreal almost filmmaking look a little bit because again just looking at fireworks coming out of the top of a man's open skull yeah <laughs> it's just not something you see every day so again yeah. the, the way that he, he he walks that line of like the the real deal consequences of it but still that sort of euphoric feeling at the same time mm-hmm. and that's the ending of the movie yeah that's great and i do like it's like brian kind of i mean i guess it's not on purpose but brian kind of takes it for the team we we know that this aylmer thing has been going off for centuries just (laughs) just traveling around and (laughs) and killing people and doing whatever and and brian just kind of takes all of the juice sacrifices himself into the ultimate euphoria and saves the world i think (laughs) good job brian yeah good job brian (laughs) (laughs) 
but yeah, uh, pivoting towards a uh, reductive rating round for, for this one, this one also gets the solid to, uh, to high four for me. I think, um, yeah. I think uh, obviously for all the reasons that we've mentioned that, uh, you know, uh, Hen and Lauder really, really good at, at, at creating these really absurd stories that have these, you know, really incredible jokes, but also really, really filthy, you know, grimy, no budget horror filmmaker at the same time. And he never sacrifices, you know, sort of like, uh, uh, character and psychological expression to do either one he's always merging all three in ways that you know for people with bigger budgets could uh, could learn from yeah a hundred percent um and i and I think that with brain damage, he really solidified that he kind of likes the humor and sadness of, of of deformity and and sort of like impulse and having a little impulse creature attached to you. <laughs> um, but it also, in some ways, kind of being something that's important to you or something you enjoy spending time with, and that kind of you know that 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 tearing effect that reminded me a lot of uh, once again the like Dead Ringers. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's you know upgrading to half a million dollars. He really expands his vision to a colorful and grotesque uh very cartoon scuzzy addiction uh allegory with genuine horror and pathos and once again very surreal and and, and punkish in the way that he always is hendon lauder is really just like he's a an art schlock <laughs> yeah uh to me having only <laughs> even seen two of his films i really got to check out his his other stuff yeah because like man you know, a phallic psychedelic drug slug that's like venom. Like, come on, dude. It's and so, to make it's, that, it's such a cool little idea. Yeah. And to make that work on an emotional level too, like to, for you to be invested yeah. in that is, is unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. To, to make it a thing that makes him feel good and hurts him and hurts the people around him. And then the experience of being conscious of that hurt and those feelings and not being in control. He, he, he all, really doesn't, you know, he investigates it all. Yeah. All while balancing like, comedy like just having a fucking talking kind of tv host voiced uh uh alien so brain that's giving you like heroin like uh it's it's just it, it's wild like to the the balance and skill that, that takes is is incredible uh yeah i'd also give it a four out of five um i just want to dive into more of uh hen and lauder man because like this is these two for two and i love these the, the use of, of creatures and uh, uh, kind of like uh, using them as like this, uh, like people that are dependent on them and using them as, an, as a metaphor for whether it be addiction or, or uh, kind of like uh, family trauma. He's just very, very good at that. Um, and you said there's basket case two and three. Is that right? Yeah, there's a two and three. Okay, so I, I got to check those out. Um, and I got to see if he's... Well, and, and, and also uh, Frankenhooker, which right. is exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. <laughs> I, 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 I just, I, I think I'd be a huge fan of his other work, so I'm definitely going to dive into, into his stuff. So, yeah, four out of five. Uh, yeah. For you, Cameron. So four out of five for me as well, probably like a high, high four. I, yeah, I, I mean... It's pretty much the same as what you guys said. It's just really, really impressive that like so much uh, that like a, a movie that's this kind of disgusting and unsettling could also be like really funny at times and also have like genuine pathos to it is just like yeah. really impressive to me. Like I like I was this is the third time I've watched it. And I think this time the like the kind of the, the real like sadness of it really like hit me a lot more this time. Like it is a very, it's a very sad addiction story, you know, like if you look, if you look past the little, like the little creepy phallic 
uh, <laughs> leech guy, there's like a real, there's like a real human story. And it's really impressive that like, you know, hand and Lauder is making this like sleazy, gross stuff and, and went to that length to like really make it, make you care about the characters like that. And I, yep, something else that definitely that I that uh, it's really like a blue movie. There's a ton of blue in it. Like uh, yeah, blue and the like blue dark liquid, purples. Ton of blue light. It really uh, this it all this watch for me the the blue really hit me and was I was like, oh, this really does feel very kind of sad and mourning a lot of the time when it's mm-hmm. not like shoving blood in your face. Like there's a real <laughs> there's a real weird like eerie sadness to to the shots sometimes. Yeah, definitely. And once, That's a good point. And once again, like I, I wanted to just say, like that that inclusion of his withdrawal scene, I think is so important and essential to kind of like at least understanding the addiction aspect of it all. Because uh, I mean, you know, we have the just the sequences of him taking in that liquid to the brain and all that, but just watching him for like days on end, just just kind of curl up in a ball and sweat and have that <laughs> alien brain just just mock him the entire time. Yeah, it's really upsetting. It is very <laughs> yeah. upsetting, oddly enough. So yeah, just just including stuff like that really elevates uh, these types of movies. And Henlot are so good. So. Hell yeah. Well, I think that'll wrap it up for uh, Brain Damage and for this week's uh, episode. Um, That was Killer Clowns from Outer Space from 1988 and Brain Damage from 1988. Thanks so much, Cameron, for uh, joining us and for bringing these films with you. Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. No problem. If you've got anything uh, to plug while you're here, this is usually the part where we have you guys do that. Uh, yeah, well, you, I mean, you can follow me on Twitter or on Letterboxd, um, and I also have uh, a podcast called Podcast About List, where we uh, we basically read, like, dumb lists from the internet. It's not it's not smart, but it's a lot of fun, <laughs> so you should check it out. You guys have definitely read some pretty, pretty terrible lists. Oh, yeah, no, it's mostly stuff like, you know, like top 10 ways to kill Justin Bieber, like that kind of stuff. <laughs> Try and dig and find the really, <laughs> that the really fun. bad stuff. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Hell yeah. Uh, well for, for our listeners, we're going to be back in one week's time with your Christmas episode. It is yeah. a, uh, uh, sequel to our very first, uh, Sleazoids Christmas where we did, um, uh, black Christmas and silent night, deadly night. That was the first Christmas we ever had on the show. Uh, last year we kind of tr- switched it up and did uh, Josh's Christmas uh, personal <laughs> Christmas picks, which were Batman Returns and Eyes Wide Shut. Um, but this year we're going to do Christmas Slashers Part Two, and we're going to talk about uh, Lewis Jackson's Christmas Evil from 1980, uh, also known as John Waters's uh, It's a Wonderful Life. That's his his uh, pr- <laughs> his uh, wholesome preference for Christmas films. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, it's the second time we're going to be talking about uh, a man dressing up as Santa Claus and going around uh, axing people. Yeah, there's more than um, one. <laughs> and it's and and it's genuinely great. It's yeah, very it's psychologically awesome. engaged in a man who uh, really wants to bring back the Christmas spirit. It's kind of wholesome in a in a way and sad. Yeah, it really is like um, the taxi driver uh, version of Silent Night, Deadly Night. <laughs> yeah, it's it's literally a guy who goes Travis Bickle mode because when he was a kid, he saw his mom get uh, her back walls blown out by Santa Claus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And it, and it, and it, and it, it ruined his innocence, and he never wants to have another uh, child's innocence ruined by uh, learning that Santa Claus is a lie that way. <laughs> He'll never <laughs> let another Santa Claus fuck any mom. That's for damn sure. No, it's not going to happen. <laughs> not on his uh, so, watch. So we're... we're <laughs> so we're going to talk about that, and we're also going to talk about the uh, direct-to-video comedy horror film 
uh, Jack Frost from 1997, not to be confused with the 1998 movie with the exact same premise and the exact same title (laughs) where Michael Keaton (laughs) uh, is a bad father who becomes a good father by becoming a snowman. Jack Frost is the literal same premise, but what if like a serial killer came back as a snowman? I'm convinced it was inspired uh, by by the horror director. directed dvd movie i'm almost yeah, certain and, and they they claim they claim that uh he he shot it in like 94 or 95 or something like yeah, that so. so come on like michael keaton was like that's the part i need to play right there yeah yeah but uh <laughs> yeah that snowman that snowman kills uh a lot of people uh, yes, he does. so we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about Christmas slashers next week. And then for the week after for the free listeners, for everyone, we're going to be back and we are going to be doing the, uh, it's going to be 2021. So we're going to do yeah. the, the annual episode, first episode of the new year, which is always a recap of the previous year's, uh, best genre films. So we're going to do the best genre movies of 2020. We might have to rework our, uh, <laughs> our our method a little bit this year because there's a there's a there's a little bit less of a pool to choose from for reasons I'm sure everyone is aware of, <laughs> um, but there was some good stuff this year and we would be remiss not to uh, you know talk about uh, let the free because the bonus transmission listeners they always get to hear us talk about new releases on on yeah. on the Patreon yeah. but uh, a lot of the free listeners don't get to hear us and you know sometimes we just want to gush about Bakuro and Possessor again you know I sometimes do. it happens I definitely do. So, uh, yeah, that's what you can expect in uh, two weeks' time. But that being said, I think it's going to wrap it up for everything this week. Uh, thanks so much, guys, for listening, and keep it sleazy. Keep it sleazy. Keep it sleazy. <laughs>